tonight. On the Midnight Train podcast, we take the train down to New Orleans and discuss the Axeman. No, not the douchebag at the gym that uses Axe body spray like it was deodorant. The Axeman of New Orleans. The unidentified murderer of a shit ton of people. Oh, yet, warning. We say things like, shit, all aboard. Hello, passengers, and welcome to the Midnight Train Podcast, where we bring the dark to light. What's that mean? Well, we make fun of and joke about creepy shit while trying to bring you as much information on each topic as humanly possible. I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer. Thank you. I like that. Yeah, you gotta use it. I need one every now and then. Right? And with me, of course, is my co-host, <laughs> Mr. Moody. Hey, you know I gotta give myself one too. Yeah, so. you definitely have to give yourself one. I don't. I don't, I don't deserve it though. Well, you? Yes, you do. You I don't. Stop it. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you doing? Man? <sighs> it's been a fucking busy, crazy week. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's I agree. Been a busy it's been week. rough. Anything good happened though? You got anything um, good going on? The downfall of Wall Street. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> Now, I, I keep seeing it from different so, sides so and stuff good, like dude. that. And if you guys aren't aware of what's happening, I literally had to have somebody, uh, yeah, my good friend Ken from over yeah, at Voodoo. Yeah, he, he put something up that explains it really well. He kind of, be, and well, I was talking to him this morning as well, and I'm just like, okay, so wait a minute, let me get this straight. So these guys go in, the Wall Street guys, they, so, so GameStop basically. They basically borrow stock at a certain price and then sell it back. Well, the, the Wall Street does. Yeah. So yeah, what happened yeah. was is that GameStop, the guy, the CEO of GameStop, doesn't want to see his business crumble. No, so he basically, Why he, would you? he got more stock and he just tried to like save the place. Right. Well, these little weasels at Wall Street. So if you guys are like, oh, it's kind of fucked up. What's going on? This is what these fuckers do. They go in and they see that he's doing it. So they try to buy it all. At, they Well, they borrow. They don't even put their own right, money in. They right. borrow it at like $5. Right. And it's called a short. It, and then it goes down. Right. And then they sell. Right. And, and they make the money. And they make their money and then yeah. pay back the money they borrowed. Right. And then they, they end up making a profit because. And in the meantime, right. what they're doing is fucking the business. Oh, yeah. It's bad. You know what I mean? Like, it's super bad. So you're basically just taking away from this guy who's trying to, you know, he doesn't want to lay his people off. He doesn't want to close. Right. He, you, know, you know what I mean? Well, the same thing's happening with the AMC now. AMC. The also, so another everyone's, one. everyone's doing that. Guess who bought stock in AMC yesterday? <laughs> this guy. I totally did. That's and great. listen, That's so great. what happens is, is that, um, so somebody on Reddit or a couple people on Reddit happened to notice that this was happening yep. and they're like, wait a minute, why the fuck is all of a sudden yeah. uh, GameStop stock going through the, you know, are actually selling Starting a shit to go up. Yeah. Well, they figured out what wall street was they're trying to do. Them. So they had a ton of regular folk. <laughs> this is phenomenal. Go in and buy up the stock. So it shot so it through zero. the fucking roof. Yep. And these assholes who were trying to fuck this business now just are losing have lost money. Billions, and that's with a B. Billions. There was one one of the hedge funds that did was in on that. I apparently is like bankrupt right now. Like, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. And AMC, it's I happening too. I don't feel too. fucking bad at all. I don't feel either. bad either. They I, made I, their either. lives fucking over people. So and the reason I bought stock in AMC, and it was not because I'm going to make money off it, because obviously I'm not. It's just it's driving well, up whole, and up and up. It's and what too, they're saying is the whole to point to them. Yeah, and they're saying now that the whole point with like the uh, the GameStop thing is is it's going to start coming down because all those hedge funds are going to start dumping stock to make it look like everyone's going to be losing money. 
but all those people that bought in that low to drive it up, they're not. They have nothing to lose because uh, they course. bought in so low right. that even if that stock starts to drop, yeah. like you bought stock at like a dollar a piece. Yeah. Last I look, what's weird is if this gives any account to this, and this is obviously not a financial podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> and this is your first time listening. Sorry, this is just what's going on right now, and we're trying yeah, to we kind like of explain to, uh, it. We like to talk about recent events. Yeah. yeah, modern modern times. Yeah, you right? know. So. I looked on there and I, I, I looked and three weeks ago, AMC was at $2. Yeah. Last night at closing, it was at $14. Yeah. Dude, did you do well? Did you see the game price stocks? Uh-uh. Like I have, I'll, I'll open this up real quick. This is my, I don't use uh Robin hood. I have a, I use stash. Okay. Say similar type thing. Okay. And, uh, you can look, <laughs> I just, this, this blew my mind yesterday. Um, and the cool thing about stashes, they didn't stop trading. They just put a warning up that was like, uh, "Just so you know, this is a very volatile stock right now. You got to be happening. careful. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't buy a shitload of it. If so you do, prepare to lose your ass. They didn't do the same thing that Robinhood uh, Robin said. You, got, you can't yeah, buy. Yeah. So look, this was GameStop, right? So this is over the last week, or we'll do a month. So down here, it was at seventeen dollars. It was hovering around seventeen dollars, and then. It starts going up middle of January, starts going up, going up, going up. And then all of a sudden it shoots up to like $347. Oh my God. <laughs> January 27th. It was at $347. It went up $330 a share. Yep. If oh you look over, if you look God. over there, look at the year started the year off. It was at $3 and 76 cents. Oh, and by January 27th, it was at $370. So that's what's happening in the world that I think is kind of funny. And it's fucking incredible. I dude. think it, well, I mean, these assholes, they're it's just, a, it's, it's fucking, it's about time. Yeah. You know, quit fucking with businesses. Yeah. Quit that. Quit, dude, quit doing wanna, that. I, I have, I'm all for people investing, playing the stock market because it is a risk. Like you're, you're, but when you, when you do things for nefarious purposes, knowing that you're going to drive this fucking business down and make money off of it, that blows, that just fucking blows my mind that people. Yeah. It's shitty. It sucks. And for those assholes out there, fuck them. And I hope yeah. that, you know, they learn their lesson from this. You know what I mean? Did you see that thing I put up now? They're talking about that the SEC might try to sue all the people that did that. Like they might try to get a big suit against all the people that were buying stock. The hedge fund guys? No. The fucking people that were the Redditors and everyone that were driving the Why? stock. Why? Because they're, I, because they're fucking, they're on the side of the rich people. They're trying to fuck them all. That's over. bullshit. <clears throat> Basically saying it's like tampering and shit like that. Yeah, but, but it's like, what the fuck have they been doing for the past? Exactly. Already, you know, like, like, oh man, that's, that's how garbage. they make their living on Wall Street is tampering with it's shit. garbage. It's garbage, I say. Anyway, enough of that yeah. shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and that's been your <laughs> Week in Review. And uh, welcome to uh, Financial Fuck Faces. <laughs> Uh, I am your host. You know what would be uh, hilarious, though? Vic fuckface. Can you imagine if, like, me and you tried to do, like, a financial... No. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, layman's turn. Like, we have no idea what we're talking about. We're like, I think that this guy put money in. I, I think you got to take your money, and then... Uh, you know what my dude, idea of, dude, would, of, of would, handling my finances... people. My idea of handling finances is um, having my wife do it. That's exactly what I do. Not that's, even joking. That's pretty much what I do. Because I suck at money and I'm just oh, not, I'm, I'm not good with, with it. I'm just like, I forget to pay bills and shit. I, like I it's buy, fucking horrible. I buy action figures and toys. That's what I do. So that's <laughs> I my, don't buy Those anything. are my investment strategies. Yeah, I don't buy anything ever. Anyway. 
So you beautiful bunch of dark pastors. First of all, welcome to the show. If you're new, sorry about all that. And if you're new here, we that's not something normal we do. <laughs> Those five minutes just wasted. Sorry, guys. But at least you know what's going on. Yeah, it's fun, and we can go back and it's we can big, listen. It's a big thing right now. It is. It is a really big deal. So yeah, and and I'm sure there's people out there listening that are in on this. Yeah, and, and if you are. More power to you. Yeah, and let us know if you are, too. Don't dump your stock yet. Just yeah. don't do it. Yeah, they say hold. They say well, hold. Was, if you looked at that thing, too, there was a big dip where everyone started selling off their stock. Like, all the hedge funds and stuff started selling their stock off. And then, like, today, it shot back up again. So, Well, it's hilarious because, I guess, uh, Texas and Oklahoma both have um, billboards out now. And all it says is hold. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, they're going hard awesome, on this, dude. dude. They Fuck are yeah. so going Good. hard. It's about time. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, and for all of you that have been with us for a while, you if know. If you're still that, listening yeah. to this episode, <laughs> we're thank just, you. It's a good episode. Don't go away. <laughs> I swear, this is a good one. But you guys know we're just a couple of musicians and assholes that love history and cannot get enough of the mysterious. We want you to know how important and how much it means to us that you're listening to us right now. Your reviews and support really do make all the hard work worthwhile. And saying that, please stop over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now and give us a five-star review. It would be great if you did that. And buy some GameStop stock. And all it has to say... Yeah, yeah. there you go. Buy, buy some stock. No, all it has to say in your hold. review is hold. Hold. Just hold. <laughs> yeah. That'd be hilarious. That'd be great, if we just got a bunch of those just said hold. <laughs> hold all the way down. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. It helps for some reason. We're not sure why. Anyway, you guys can leave us a, a review, please. We'd love that. And uh, you can also find us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, and pretty much any place you listen to uh, podcasts anywhere. Uh, just type in the Midnight Train Podcast in their search bar and click the follow button. You will magically then get each episode as they are released. And our Patreon producers... They will be getting, coming up here soon, a bonus episode on the Republic of, is it Malaysia or Malaysia? It's, I think it's Malosia. Malosia. I think. And it's a fucked up story. <laughs> it's great, dude. It's amazing. It's something that I think literally all of us have wanted to do at some point. We've at least thought about it. Oh, yeah. So basically, it's a story about a guy that had some land and decided to just start his own fucking country. And, it's uh, like, it's you... like Peter from... Uh... <laughs> Pretoria, <laughs> yeah. Pretoria. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what it is, too. Lord, see? Maybe you could take your GameStop money and... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, the guy basically made his own country, seceded from the... Or tried to secede from the United the, States. Oh, it's great. And it's a fantastic story. So, you guys will be getting that. And if you want to get those kinds of bonus episodes, like The Day the Music Died and so on and so forth... Got another one of those in the works, too, right now. Sweet. So, sign up over at the uh, at patreon.com forward slash the Midnight Train Podcast or head over to the Midnight Train, pot, Midnight Train Podcast.com <laughs> and you'll see the little Patreon button at the top. And you can click on that. You can sign up and get all kinds of cool shit. Plus, at our website, you can get some merchandise and you can sign up. And, and if you sign up there, it's free. And on the website, we'll actually free. mention your name at the free. end of the show. Free is the best price. Free is awesome. We're not Wall Street. No, we're no. not. We don't have stock. <laughs> you can't buy stock in the midnight chain. It's very true. And also, sign up uh, for our official Facebook group page. It's getting yeah, bigger we have and bigger. Time. We're, getting, we're getting some folks in there. I like we have it. A good it's time. fun. It's fun. All right. So let's turn down the lights. Adjust our seats, grab a drink, and let's get spooky. But first, here is a... (laughs) So we started doing something. This is great. This is great. We're going to start playing music from anyone from across the world who has new music coming out. And it has to be their music. And it has to be like unsigned. Unsigned, yeah. Unsigned stuff. And it's kind of like what we used to do in the... um, 
the uh, what was it called the box car box car yeah. and we used to save it to the end but for now on we're gonna make it our drink pop ever, but because uh, ever since we got banned <laughs> in New Zealand <laughs> yeah we need music uh, we from you to, listeners right we have to figure out a way around that for the drink pop now. right so if you guys are listening right now and you know someone that has a band or writes or music or band. whatever or if you have a band out there yeah send us some music just send it over to the midnight dream podcast at gmail.com but in saying that here's a toast to all of you beautiful motherfuckers She's got a smile like a that song right there is sexy girl coming from computer kid an autistic glaswegian electronic music producer and make sure you find him on spotify or wherever you find music That's pretty groovy. I like it, dude. It's groovy. That's good. It's and it literally good. says, uh, uh, make sure, uh, it, it's sure to make, uh, to make, uh, wait, hold on. Anyone <laughs> move to the groove. Yeah, well, I could see that. I was grooving. Some good dance for uh, it. Yeah, I was grooving. That was pretty cool. I mean, I, I, I only groove so much being a large white man, but. Yeah. And he's a uh, uh, computer kid. It's K, um, computer kid, both with Ks, obviously, because kid. Computer anyway, with a K? Yeah. And uh, he's Glaswegian. And we had to right, look that we up, just, didn't we? Yes, that was. I had never heard that term before. Glaswegian it are people who are from Glasgow, Glasgow Scotland. Yeah. Yep, and they have their own uh, like kind of dialect, like. Uh, yeah, and, that's and weird. what was the word you said you wanted to start using? Oh, uh, hold on, let me see. I got it right here. <clears throat> it's a slang word. It was. Uh, so oh, passengers, you guys have to start using this. It was. It's a word for an idiotic or stupid person. And it, it is. is. It is walloper. You walloper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you walloper. Also, if you are if you are tired or exhausted, you could say that you are scunnered. Scunnered, yes. love it. And uh, and the other one that I liked was uh, <laughs> uh, shut up is hod your weeshed. <laughs> <laughs> I assume that's hold your something. I don't know. Well, computer kid, we don't want yeah. you to hod your weesh. Nah, we want you music, to keep man. making music, man. So that's awesome. Get out there on Spotify and check out Computer Kid with a K and uh, check out that song. It's sexy girl. All right. So stuff. listen, we're talking about something I'm, I've been fascinated with for a long time, and we try to do things a little me. bit differently here when it comes to true crime. And it made me a little, it made me a little uh, nostalgic. It made me pine for the last <laughs> for about ten years ago. That's all because <laughs> you you lived in New Orleans yes. for a while, right? So I'm, we're talking I'm, about I miss it. The Axeman, so many axes, by the way. There's there's several, <laughs> so many axes, like and a couple you, of a uh, couple of razor straight razors, and, and a, uh, a pipe or two. There's a pipe yeah. with a nut. Yeah, with a nut. Yes, a nut <laughs> pipe. <laughs> All right, so this is the Axeman of New Orleans, and if you guys haven't heard about this, sit back because this is going to be a hell of a train ride. So it's this cool. this says hell, March thirteenth, nineteen nineteen. Esteemed mortal of New Orleans, they have never caught me, and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible. Even as the ether that surrounds your earth, I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph, etc. But tell, tell them to beware, 
Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the Axeman. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me as they have in the past. They are wise and know now to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens and the worst, for I am in close relationship with the Angel of Death. Now, to be exact, at 12.15 earthly time, on next Tuesday night, I am going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I am going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the neither regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If anyone has a jazz band going, well, then, so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of your people who do not jazz it out on that specific Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, hoping thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been, I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fancy. Signed, the Axeman. So normally we would put this letter in the timeline where it belongs, but we really think it sets the mood for the episode. It is now obvious that we are talking about none other than, of course, the Axeman of New Orleans. This is another unsolved um, series of murders along the lines of the Cleveland Torso Killer and the Hinterkaifeck murders that we have covered. And uh, you guys are probably sensing a pattern out there, right? Right. Is there, there, is there a pattern? There is a pattern. And what, that is... What is that pattern? We like true crime, but we want... We do. We want the unsolved shit. Oh, we want people to hear it and go, wait a minute. My dad's next door neighbor's best friend's mother's uncle's sister told me about this. Right. Yeah. 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 And I may know a little something. And then all of a sudden you break the case wide open and boom. Guess what? Done. Done. You guys solved, solved it. it. Fucking solved Fucking it. Solved. Fucking like Scooby-Doo and shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have got away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling kids. So, uh, so that letter... Uh, yeah, obviously, I would normally put that in, you know, timeline-wise. But I thought that was a great, like, starting point. Oh, just absolutely. to see what you're dealing with. Like, that's what you're, that's the headspace that you're dealing that with. That gets it going, for sure. And the one thing that I thought was interesting is he talked about uh, his native Tartarus in there. Do you know what Tartarus is? Yeah, that's, uh, you put it on fish, right? No, that's tartar sauce. Ah, shit, then no. It's mostly mayonnaise, some relish. Yeah. If you want to do it the cheap way. I like tartar sauce. A little lemon juice. Yeah, so it's not tartarus? No, not tartar sauce. So what is tartarus? <clears throat> tartarus is the deep abyss that is used as a dungeon of torment and suffering for the wicked and as a prison for the titans in, in Greek mythology. That's where they sent the titans. That's where the gods sent the titans. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that's where he's from? Souls are judged after death, and uh, the wicked receive divine punishment. It is also considered to be a primordial force or deity alongside... Entities such as Earth, Night, and Time. Okay, so, so it's got it's it's some place we don't want to go. It's it's not necessarily a good spot. And if this dude's from there, do you think whew. they have tartar sauce there? I would assume so. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, it's kind of a hellish place, though. Would they? Maybe because a lot of people don't like tartar sauce. Which what if it's the get? only condiment? Then that would be hell. Oh, that would be terrible. That would be hell. Like you gotta have like you could get a hot dog, but. You <laughs> 
Ketchup and mustard, you got to put tartar sauce on it. <laughs> Dude, that just sounds so gross. Let me get a hot dog with some tartar sauce. Oh, God. Well, for over a year, from May 1918 to October 1919, the city of New Orleans, Louisiana, was in a frenzied panic over a roaming serial killer dubbed the Axeman. The killer often... <laughs> Dude, I swear to God, I was going to make that the drink pop song. I was. I was. I'm the axe man. Yeah, but next thing I know, we're going to get banned in, like, I don't know, yeah, we Scotland. Don't need, <laughs> we, don't need, we don't need that. Yeah, we don't need that. Do you know so. that guy almost died in Cleveland? Or he may have died in Cleveland. I don't remember. Who? Scatman John, the guy who did that song. I didn't even know that's who like a heart was. attack on stage in Cleveland and, like, almost died. And then he died, like, a week later or something. Jesus. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. I had no idea. That's the scat man. There you go, man. Wow. Fucking Cleveland. (laughs) Well, our killer, the axe man over here, often struck with an axe, thus the name, that was found at the house of the victim. Yeah, it wasn't always an axe, but it was always brutal. The axe man preyed on Italians in New Orleans. Today, we will discuss the murders and some of the suspects of this crazy unsolved case, and I will try to keep my really bad Italian accent at bay. (laughs) Buongiorno. Hey, look hey. at me. Hey. You got to get Grace down here. <laughs> so, like, so this so is a thing, fucking though. problem. So this is the thing. I guess uh, at the time, um, there was a very large Sicilian population, which is what your wife is, correct? She's Sicilian? Very Sicilian, okay. yes. So she probably would have been killed. Oof. If she owned a grocery store. Which, by the way, as we go through this, there are a shit ton of grocery stores. That's the thing. That's, that's the type. That's the model. So I guess at the time, though... Um, the Sicilians and the Italians were generally frowned upon down there because they were... Uh, I mean, they are Sicilian. Well, that, and they basically, uh, I guess, in that time period, they kind of, I don't know how to term it, I guess maybe sided with, like, the blacks. Okay. And they didn't like that down there at all. Uh, 19, or, yeah, 1918, <laughs> yeah. 1919. I'm sure so, that was frowned upon a little bit. Yeah. So that was part of the reason. And, like, they were coming, like, you know, just there was, there was a large, large Sicilian population coming in. And, like, uh, they were starting to introduce, like, some organized crime type stuff to it. Which um, we do discuss. And I'm excited bit. to get into that. <clears throat> yeah, a little bit. Um, and so, like, there was, like, this thing. There was kind of, like, that stigma down there. Yeah, and, uh, even, you were Italian. You just you were you were dirty and yeah. And I had heard. I basically got out of here with your grocery. Something man. about it, and man. they were saying that the the newspaper down there, which we mentioned in here, is the Times Picayune, which is still going, um, or at least it was when I was down there. They, every newspaper is pretty much folded now, but uh, they had they had like written something about the Italians and just they're just like calling them like dirty and like evil and like all that like just in the fucking newspaper. Hey, like, did you guys ever hear about that? Uh, it's crazy, The man. Italian guy's bicycle? Yeah, got a flat driving down the street. It went wop, 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 wop. <laughs> Thank you. I can make that joke because I am married into a very Sicilian family, and I do love them to death. It's honestly, just, it's just a Just remember, guys, if you didn't like that, John, if it's that bad, he'll get his ass kicked for that later. Just so you guys know. See, oh, they, see, I, I've said that joke to her many times. She just looks at me with that blank look on her face, like seriously, like it's not even fucking funny, you dipshit. Like that, that's where you're going with that. Yeah, okay. yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and she just looks at me like you're just stupid. Anyway, so let's talk about the first murders here. All right, so Joseph and uh, Catherine Maggio were Italian immigrants, which I'm probably going to screw up some names in this just because they're very Italian names in here. They're not okay. Yeah, there's a couple that are yeah, weird. There's a couple. So, we'll, so if I do that, I apologize. But uh, so they were Italian immigrants who owned an Italian grocery and tavern at the corner of Upper Line and Magnolia Streets. The couple lived in an apartment behind the store. I know, and in a, do you know, I know that place? Exactly where, I don't know that. 
I don't think that's there anymore, obviously, but oh. I know exactly. Like, that's the other thing. This made me kind of like, I'll call it homesick, but. You can actually envision these streets. Where, I know where 95% of these places would be if they were still there today. I think there's like two of them that are still there. Are you the axe man? Maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm actually 192 years old. <laughs> no, that's me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> So um, behind the uh, the store, and uh, they had an adjacent apartment that was occupied by Joseph's brother, um, his brothers, Jake and Andrew. In the early morning of May 23rd in 1918, at about 5 o'clock in the morning, Andrew was awakened by loud thuds and moaning coming through the wall of the connecting apartment. Andrew awoke Jake and told him what he had heard. Andrew pounded on the wall, but got no response. Hello? My dog's going to go nuts now. <laughs> the brothers then rushed over to their, their brother's apartment to see what was happening. When they opened the door to their brother's room, they were greeted by a horrifying sight. The room was covered in blood, and the couple lay on the bed in a horrible state. The couple was laid out on the bed covered in blood, each with several gashes in their heads. So, uh, one of the things that I read about this scene is, uh, this is basically at the time, and for years, and maybe even up till this day, I don't know, but uh, like in police circles, this was probably at the time the most like gruesome sight that any of these people had ever oh, seen. Oh, I'm sure. Before. Can you imagine? And it like, uh, like this is one of those things that I guess like for years, like even with all the other stuff, the ex murder stuff, this crime scene apparently was just like talked about like as being nasty, like, huh? like the bar set for fucking Ugh. gruesome. Well, in addition to uh, their, th- uh, their throats were also severed. So that yeah. makes it fucking fantastic. The police arrived and questioned the brothers and searched the apartment they found that a panel in the door had been removed with a chisel, and that was the point of entry. A blood-smeared axe was found in the bathtub, which was identified uh, by the brothers as Joseph's. There was a safe that had been opened and rifled through, but nothing appeared to be missing. There was also a box of cash and gems under the bed that had not been touched. Andrew, the younger brother, was under suspicion immediately. He was a barber by trade and admitted the straight razor found on the bed that was used to cut the throats of the victims was actually his. Jake had just received his draft notice and spent the night drinking. Draft uh, for World War One was World creeping War I, up right correct, here. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, very, very, very long time ago, and very heightened sense of holy shit. Well, it was already going at that point. Oh, it was. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, nineteen eighteen, yeah. yeah, whatever. It started in what seventeen, nineteen seventeen. I want to say it was even earlier than that. I don't know. Where's Riley when we need him? He'd be like, actually, <laughs> I feel like it was like. If I'm not mistaken, it was actually nineteen at the exact moment. Might have been seventeen. Sorry, I'm just. Messing with my son because he, he went to college. So did he go to college? As far as I could tell, I, I think he did go to college. I think he's actually still in college. What a jerk! So anyway, he went out drinking the night before. <laughs> yeah, he went out drinking the night yeah, before. It was, it was 1914. Is 1914. Okay, so I'm an idiot. Anyway, we all know that. So um, and then you know he uh, a neighbor confirmed that he actually came home around two o'clock in the morning before the killing was thought to have actually happened. Both men were taken down to the station. Jake was released soon after, but Andrew was held on. He was held on to longer in hopes they could build a case against him. But with no physical evidence, the police released Andrew a little later in the day. One block from the murder, uh, the murder scene, a cryptic message was found written in chalk on the sidewalk, and it read, quote, Mrs. Maggio is going to sit up tonight just like Mrs. Tony, end quote. So at the very end of this... Uh, I don't know if you'd look through it or not. I have. There is like a, I love it. a little side quest, if you will, yeah. that has to do with that scenario. Right. So remember the writing, uh, the chalk writing on the uh, on the sidewalk here, Which folks. Is, it doesn't have anything to do with the Axeman murders. Kind of. But it's or a, does it? 
maybe <laughs> right who knows but it's like this crazy little side quest that yeah. i was, i found like after i was like it's what? pretty it's pretty wild yeah and i actually yeah, yeah i actually got it's in there. Anyway, cool. so you guys pay attention to the end of this now this whole <laughs> fucking episode is just out crazy that this actually took place yeah yeah. So what did this mean? Who was Mrs. Tony? I don't know. No, <laughs> no one really knew, but some sure. thought this may have something to do with the murders of three Italian couples killed in much the same way in 1911. The three couples were all Italian grocers that were hacked up with axes. The houses were entered by the killer, removing door panels. The husband of the last couple murdered had the first name of Tony. Could his wife be the Mrs. Tony from the message? So... This is a weird situation because um, I think I even make mention of it in here, but this was all relayed to police by a retired detective. And recently, like this was kind of taken at, at its word, like, okay, so this could have started back then in 1911, 1912, and it could have been the beginnings. And then there was like that lull, whatever. Cause you know, serial killers generally have that cooling off period, but that's like a six year period. But Recently, I, I'm I'm finding recently that there are many people disputing that those other killings took place either at all or as they were relayed, as far as with hatchets or with axes or anything like that. Like, uh, I guess one of them apparently was they found uh, a report that the one couple was killed, but it was with a with a gun. Like they were shot, they weren't killed with an axe. Okay. So like, there's all this weird stuff around those three murders that took place years earlier. They okay. don't. They don't know if they have anything to do with it. They don't know how much of the... I mean, it seems pretty suspect. Yeah, and they don't... Well, that's the thing. Like, they don't know how much of those stories are true. Like, I guess there's a lot of people questioning those... The validity the of validity, it? The okay. validity, like, and what's real and what's not real. Okay. So, well, oddly enough, journalists could find no accounts of these crimes, even go. though they were reported by a retired detective, like he said, that claimed to have worked the cases. People started thinking this may be mafia-related and have something to do with the couple not paying protection money. Call it the black hand. Yeah. Oh, we'll talk about the black hand. Yeah. Yeah. The black hand. I love it. That's Isn't good. that from... What Marvel show did they have that? Was that Daredevil they had? The black hand? I don't remember. I know what you're talking about. That's a black foot. Black foot. Black foot. Yeah. <laughs> black foot. That's what happens when you're out in the cold too long. You get black foot. It's Mr. Deeds. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> My kids fucking love that. Uh, I love that movie. Well, it doesn't take long for the killer to strike again. Saturday, June 16th, 1918, a baker named John Banza arrived for a delivery at a grocery store at the corner of Dorgenois. I'm going to say, or is, is that Dorgenois? Yeah. Yeah? Dorgenois and La Harpe Streets. The grocery street names for it. Yeah, it's very French. It has to be Dorgenois. The grocery is owned by uh, 59-year-old Louis Bessemer. He lived in an apartment behind the business with his companion, 28-year-old Anna Harriet Lowe. Mm. As John was making his delivery, he found the front door locked, so he went around to the side door and knocked. The door opened, and John was shocked when Bessemer opened the door and greeted him covered in blood from a large gash on his head. Quote, we were attacked, Bessemer told John. In the bedroom, John finds Anna, mutilated and barely cling clinging to life. There are bloody footprints leading from the bed to a uh, swath of false hair on the floor, and I, I, I'm, I was never—I I didn't find—I didn't find out if that was from one of the the uh, people that got attacked, or if that was they thought it was from the killer. Like I don't know where that's false came hair. From. Yeah, so yeah, like a did wig. She have a wig. And yeah, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it came off in the attack or something like that. I don't know, man. Yeah, that's 
freaking crazy. Once again, entry was through a removed door panel, and the weapon was a small, rusty hatchet identified by Bessemer as his own. Also, no money or valuables were missing, just as in the first incident. Bessemer couldn't give a description of the assailant, and his wounds were not life-threatening. Anna laid delirious from her wounds, but claims that she was uh, attacked by a... <laughs> her words, not mine, folks. Mulatto. Yeah. Yeah. thought that was fun. It's that, mul- that mulatto fella. <laughs> That, that's who it was. Shortly after, a black man who worked could, at the grocery could store. Could have been a lot worse. Let's, yeah. Let's oh, yeah. Be yeah, let's be, yeah that's, that was light, <laughs> especially for back then. Jesus. <laughs> so shortly after, a black man who worked at the grocery store had quit just a week prior, and he was arrested and questioned. He was ultimately exonerated and released. Anna's condition worsened, and she began to accuse Bessemer, the owner of the store. Okay, that's her part, the guy she was living yeah. with, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so yeah. she's him now. Uh, blamed him of the attack and claimed he was a German fucking spy. Yeah, she was getting crazy, man. I mean, I guess having severe head trauma yeah, will do that. She got you. lumped up pretty hard, so I could see that. Well, the U.S. Justice De- uh, Department actually refused uh, refuted this claim, and <laughs> they, had uh, get, they had to get involved. Yeah, and the neighbors obviously began to talk, spreading rumors of the two being an estranged couple. That secret government papers were found in the apartment, and even that the two were drug dealers with a secret supply of narcotics. Shit, yeah. Fucking hell. I was reading this just like, how did it get from yeah. A to B? Yeah, like, they, they, you know how to fart in a windstorm, Jesus. man. Jesus. Swear to God. Monday, August 5th, 1918, unfortunately, Anna died without saying anything else about the attack. When Bessemer was released from the hospital, he asked police if he could investigate the murder himself. This only makes the police suspicious, <laughs> and they actually arrest Bessemer and try him for the fucking murder. This, this, <laughs> like, okay, bitch, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stop talking. Jeez. It didn't go well for the prosecution, though, as you'll see. Yeah, well, he was eventually acquitted after a whopping, um, 10 minutes. <laughs> 10 minute del- uh, deliberation here. Um, so basically, yeah, the jury took a smoke break and was like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Not guilty. Yeah. Let's fucking get out of here. Mm-hmm. 10 minutes. That's probably one of the quickest ones ever. I've never heard of it. Like, usually, like, l- usually short ones are like half hour, 45 minutes. Right, right. Like, there's an ongoing uh, And that's thing. just because they wanted to eat lunch before they fucking. They want to eat lunch and it takes longer to sign the paperwork. <laughs> you got to sign and, all the paperwork. Right. And yeah. Shit. That, that wasn't even yeah. signing paperwork. That uh, was, fuck it. <laughs> like, it, was, it was like in a cartoon or a TV show where they, like, walk in one door and then just come right back <laughs> around out the other side. Benny Hill <laughs> playing in the background. <laughs> Guilty! <laughs> yeah, not guilty. Yeah. Not guilty, yeah. On the same day that Anna died, another grisly scene was found. In the suburb of Algiers, just across the Mississippi River from New Orleans, Edward Schneider yeah. was arriving home after working third shift at his job. As he walked into his house, something felt off. The house was way too fucking quiet. He calls out to his wife, but she doesn't answer him back. <laughs> Dude, if I walked into my house and it was that quiet, I'd be like... Oh thank God! <laughs> I would yes. ne- I would never. It's just I would never be like something is wrong. I'd be like, I'm alone. Thank God, freedom. <laughs> Love you, honey. Yeah. <laughs> well, he calls out to his wife, but she doesn't answer him back. As he suspiciously walks around, he unexpectedly finds his wife laying on the bed, bleeding profusely from several cuts to the head. She is also unfortunately eight months pregnant. Mm. The police and ambulance arrive, and after a search, there is uh, actually little that links this attack to the previous ones. There was no entry by a door panel, the weapon was missing, and there were na- neither uh, they were neither Italian nor were they grocers. So was it connected, or d- does our killer just not have the, an MO, which if you're up on your serial killer methodology here, you'll recognize that that's not exactly normal. According to crimemuseum.org and all the good tr- uh, true crime researchers and authors, there are three main 
types of serial killers. All right, and I'm just going to run through these Which real quick. Which one are you? I'm not at, uh, <laughs> able to disclose that information. <laughs> so first of all, there's the medical killer. Although this type of killer is very rare, they have uh, there have been some people who have been involved in the medical industry to carry out their nefarious deeds. This type of killer feels yeah. they are shrouded um, because, uh, or shrewd, excuse me, because it is. Un- oh, who <laughs> fucked that one up? That was me. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, that was a copy and paste job. <laughs> <laughs> because it isn't uncommon for people to pass in a hospital. If you work there, you can walk around and kind of do your own thing. They are um, usually highly intelligent and know how to carefully and cleverly conceal their murders. If it appears that a victim has died a natural death, there will be no reason for anyone to suspect foul play and search for the guilty and actually search for the guilty party. Few doctors in history have managed to kill dozens of people before others began to catch on. There's, and that's, there's actually there's actually more than you'd think of those. They're called angels of death. The angels of death. Yep. And they feel that they're doing a justice, so they go in and they, they some of them go in and or feel they're just fucking crazy. They some of them start, go in because yeah. people are dying and they feel they're doing them a service. Where others are just like, I can kill whoever the fuck I want. There's been doctors and we may touch on this, and yeah. I can't remember the guy's name offhand, but he's killed over a hundred people. He killed over a hundred people while he was a, a doctor. And I want to say he was from England, if I'm not mistaken. You guys, you guys researched that. He's been caught, so we're not going to talk about it anyway. <clears throat> was it? You're not talking about? No, that dude was. Nah, never mind. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I, are you talking about? So like he was doing it like people knew, like like a like a like a euthanasia type thing, or he was doing it on the sly, like killing people. He was doing it on the sly. Oh, okay, okay. So well, he he would go so it wasn't to people's like houses. A Kevorkian situation. Right. No. No. Yeah. It wasn't like him. So he would actually go to people's homes and stuff, and like you know when they had house calls, and he'd go in and be like, "Oh, I'm not feeling well," and then all of a sudden he'd slip them something, and they would die like either that next day or the oh. night. Now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like a, t- a shit ton of them, dude. Anyway, the next type of, of a killer is the organized killer. This type of serial killer is the most difficult to identify and capture. They are usually highly intelligent and well organized to the point of being meticulous. Every detail of the crime is planned out well in advance and the killer takes every precaution to make sure they leave no incriminating evidence behind. It is common for this type of psychopath to watch potential victims for several days to find someone they consider to be a good target. Once the victim is chosen, the killer will kidnap them, often through some sort of uh, ploy designed to gain their sympathy and take them to another location to commit the murders. Once the person has been killed, the perpetrator will usually take precautions to ensure the body is not found until they want it to be. A criminal like this usually takes great pride in what they consider to be their quote-unquote work and tend to pay close attention to news stories about their deeds. One of their motivating factors may be to stump the law enforcement officers who are trying to solve their crime. Um, case in point is the uh, the Zodiac Killer. Zodiac, yeah. Zodiac, Zodiac was yeah. real big. And yeah, I mean, yeah. there's been a ton of those murderers out there that, that they're very meticulous and it's all planned out. And they it's almost like they it's a challenge for them in a to, game to try to get away with it's it. It's a yeah. game. Yeah. It's a total game. Uh, the last one is the, the disorganized killer, which could that, potentially be our fella here. That would be me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> so these individuals rarely plan out the deaths of their victims in any way. Most often, the people they kill are in the wrong place at the wrong time. This type of serial killer appears to strike at random whenever an opportunity arises. They take no steps to cover up any signs of their crime and tend to move regularly to avoid being captured. Disorganized killers usually have very low IQs and are extremely antisocial. They rarely have close friends or family and do not like to stay in one place for very long. These killers are prone to have no recollection of their deeds or to confess that they were motivated by voices in their heads or some other imaginary source. Case in point, Jeffrey Dahmer. He would be considered a disorganized killer. Yeah. Like, super disorganized. Letting, letting drugged Filipino boys get out of his apartment. Yeah. 
What a dipshit. Also, really quickly, that last uh, that last story, mm-hmm. uh, the lady did not die, and she did give birth to the child, so everything was Yay. okay. Just so you guys know. Good. I, I realized I forgot to put that in there. Okay, good. Well, that's a, a good thing, since we're talking about all this fucking murder and shit. It's yeah. good to hear that they- She lived and had a baby. Good. Hopefully, the baby turned out to not be a killer. I, I don't know how it could have been. You don't know that it couldn't have been. Oh, you mean like later on in life? Yeah. Oh, not yeah. like the axe man. Yeah, the baby comes up. Oh! <laughs> no, that's yeah. not what I meant. No. Okay, so moving on here. On Saturday, August 10th, 1918, Pauline and Mary Bruno, age 18 and 13, are awakened in the middle of the night. They live behind a grocery store at the corner of Gravier and Tonti Streets with their uncle Joseph Romano, age 30. He is a barber and an Italian immigrant. The girls are awoken also, by sounds. The inventor of a Romano cheese. I don't think that's true. It's probably not, but... It could be. It sounds good. Yeah. Hey, Romano. <laughs> you like the cheese? You like the Romano? <laughs> or you like the formaggio? It's a me, Mario. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, folks. <laughs> I told myself I wouldn't do that, but it's going to fucking happen. Yeah. So uh, the girls are awoken by a sound of a struggle coming from their uncle's room. They sat up to see a large hulking figure looming in the doorway, and no, it wasn't Mr. Moody. The girls screamed. <laughs> the girls screamed, and the figure took off running. Their uncle staggered into the room and said something had happened as the girls followed him into the kitchen. He was covered in blood. Quote, my head hurts. Call an ambulance. Well, no shit. He then lapsed into unconsciousness and was taken to the hospital where, unfortunately, he died a short time later. Pauline would say that Joseph was a good man with no enemies. Their murder weapon was, again, the victim's own axe, which was taken from his shed and found covered in blood on the kitchen floor. Which is, here's the other thing about this, too. This, This killer disorganized in all his mm. plights or whatever. He he's literally not going there with a weapon to kill anyone. He goes there, but sees see, maybe something. That, maybe that means he's organized. He's part of his plan. Right. He's that's like, kind of what I'm saying. Use what I got that way. I don't have to carry shit with me. I don't have to less, less opportunity to get caught. So maybe he if you got to go buy a new ax every time too, that's suspicious. Yeah, that would suck. <clears throat> like this guy's going around town buying axes. You might want to talk to this guy. <laughs> he's bought like seven of them. <laughs> like just in the past week, dude. I don't know. It's weird. And he, there's no woods around his house. I don't even know why the hell he needs it. By now, the Italian community is undoubtedly on edge, and for obvious and good reason. They were all wondering who would be next. In, a, in, in an in-depth and profound statement, and this is a, amazing, by the way, the police superintendent, in all his glory, <laughs> says, I am of the belief that the murderer is a depraved killer with no regard for human life. <laughs> well, no shit. <laughs> What the fuck made you assume that there, Bob? You know? I read that and I'm like, that's all he had to say about it? <laughs> Fly off and fucking, save someone else, Captain Obvious. Brilliant, dude. Jesus. <laughs> Sales of rifles, pistols, and shotguns increased, as did the addition of bars, grates, and grills on windows. Police are inundated with calls about suspicious people, finding of axes and chisels discarded on the street, and at least four incidents of grocers finding evidence that someone had tried to gain entry into their buildings using a chisel on the back door. In these cases, the doors were too thick for the chisel to go through, and whoever was trying to get in, just uh, they just gave up. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so the, just side note here, using a chisel in a back door, is that to prop off the, is that to get through the, like, what are these doors made of? So, I assume they're just wooden doors, and okay. they have, you know how when you see, like, a like a front door, outside door, they'll have this, like, the little decorative, like, panels, yeah. kind of? So you it's, think they're just they're, trying to pop those out? They're chiseling out those. He, whoever it was was chiseling out one of those panels. Okay, so keep in mind how gain, small those to are, too. Entry, yeah. yeah, keep in mind. Yeah, listeners. some of them. Yeah. Some of them, yeah. I mean. Yeah, so it's it's pretty uh, interesting. 
pretty, pretty, pretty wild. Uh, there was even a report of a man that heard scraping sounds at his back door, so he fired his shotgun at the door and saw someone <laughs> hauling ass away from the he house. Fucking put a hole in his own door just to. Which reminds me, and I don't know. I'm pretty sure I probably told the story of my grandmother, um, little uh, little little lady. We thought she was Italian. I think she is Italian. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, she's like four foot, was four foot eight, like weighed like 85 pounds, and uh, down in the hills of West Virginia, <laughs> Mama, by the way. <laughs> She was home by herself, and she saw um, a deer in the garden. And the the back door went out, and then it was just a big, tall hill, and that's where the garden was. Okay. So she went over, and she opened the door real quiet-like, ran over, grabbed up her shotgun, <laughs> and shot the deer through the fucking screen door. Just boom. She didn't even open the screen didn't door. Didn't open the screen. She didn't want to spook it. So she saw, she got the motherfucker too. We'll just buy another screen. Fuck it. We got deer. We got deer, tonight. mate. And that some bitch ain't gonna be in my petunias anymore. I tell you what. Anyway, so my grandmother's amazing. That's awesome. One man said an entry attempt was foiled by, uh, by a case of tomatoes blocking the back door <laughs> on the inside, which is freaking ironic and hilarious. That's one lazy killer. Uh, fucking lazy, yeah, dude. Just fucking. Ow. Ow. Yeah. <laughs> fuck it. Damn tomatoes. Oddly enough, the range of victims and dates seem completely random. Thus, what I was talking about with the MO before. Police had pretty much no leads. The only things they knew for sure were that the killer entered by chiseling out door panels and attacked, uh, attacked brutally with axes and hatchets found at the scene of the crime. There was uh, a lack of much more evidence. Like, they needed something else to put all these yeah. things together. There was nothing yeah. there other than those things. And it's all, like, circumstantial, kind of like, could right. it There's be? no physical evidence. Right. There were no clear finger or footprints at the scenes, and the city was in a panic, of course. And, of course, there was no shortage of people bringing up the Jack the Ripper comparisons. Uh, yeah, since uh, they were also uh, postulating that the killer may be Jekyll and Hyde type of personality. Yep, which like could be a fun. normal everyday folks just hanging out and doing whatever, and then just something bop, just flips, switches. And then they're like, gotta kill somebody. This is also back when people read and like these kinds of stories were just coming out kind yeah, of thing. You know absolutely. What I mean? yeah. So yeah, it, you know, you know, it, it happens. You know, lots of serial killers have done that. Yeah. They just snap and just go off, and, and then after they kill someone, they're like, "Oh God, I'm good now." Yeah, yeah until they're not again. Until like two months later, right? <laughs> call a cooling down period, Moody. That's what they call it—a cooling down period. I know. Yes, I'm just saying. I know. Well, as the summer went by and the year was coming to an end, things died down on the axe murderer front. Perhaps a cooling down period. Perhaps. The war ended and people rejoiced and the murders started to fade from the public consciousness. By the new year, most were not talking about the murders anymore and many had let their guard down. Then in March of 1919, it all came rushing the fuck back. Mm. Charles Cordomiglia? Hey. That's the way I'd pronounce it. I think it. I got that. Hey. Unless it's Melia. Ah, fuck. I don't know if the G is silent. Cordomilia. 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 That sounds, I like that one. That's a good one, huh? No. See. <laughs> See. <laughs> okay. So Charles Cordomilia uh, was an Italian immigrant. His wife, Rose, and the couple's two-year-old daughter, May, lived behind the store uh, at the corner of 2nd and Jefferson Streets in the suburb of Gretna. On the morning, uh, the morning of March 9th, nineteen nineteen, a neighbor, uh, a, a neighbor, Hazel Johnson, went to the store to find it locked up. This struck her as odd, as Charles was known for his reliability. He had the store open at five a.m. every day, including Sundays, without fail. Hazel knocked but received no answer. She went around to the side of the building and peered into the bedroom window, but it was so dark she couldn't see anything inside. So, so reading about that. Apparently, this is, I don't know if it was there because of the killer, like trying to spy, whatever, but 
I guess she had went around to the side. There was a chair, like, underneath the window. So she just climbed up on the chair and looked into the window. So yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if it was there, you know, from where the, when the killer was looking, whatever. But I was like, just goes around and it's like, oh, look, there's a chair. I'll just go peek through someone's window. Yeah, well, not only did she just peek in someone's window, um, she saw that it was super dark and that the panel had been removed. So she decided to go inside. Oh, yeah. And she went on the back. Yeah. So it just apparently that seems to be something that these people did. Yeah. That's another recurring thing. Man, this seems like, awful suspicious. This is uh, weird. I'm going to go in. <laughs> I don't know. This seems odd. I'm going to go check this out real fast. No. Listen, every, folks. Started every horror movie ever. Yeah. Word of advice. If you see something like that, yeah, call the fucking cops. For real. Or, or call some... Yeah, call, just call the cops. Especially if there's signs of forced fucking entry. Right. And you, and you know, at least for a while ago, there was someone going around killing somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of yeah. common knowledge. Call the fucking cops. At any rate, once inside, she, of course, found a disturbingly brutal scene. She found Rose bleeding profusely from deep gashes on her head and holding the body of her, unfortunately, dead daughter. Her husband lay on the bed beside them with several severe injuries to his head as well. Clinging to life, the couple was taken across the river to a charity hospital. Rose suffered a few severe injuries to her head, but was expected to survive. We, uh, just real quick, too, this, all these people go to the charity hospital. That was still around when I was down there. It is the creepiest goddamn building. A hospital is just—it's obviously an old ass hospital, uh, but it's huge too, real tall. Like it's—it's it's creepy as fuck, and it's—we might be able to do an episode on that. Again, I think it's pretty—I think it's got a reputation of. Ooh, yeah. So we might do—we might be able to do a. Bonus yeah, that sounds on, like a fun on one. On put that. Hospital. Put that in your notes, there, big guy. Yeah, I will. Do and ass sexy pants. I'll put, it in there. put that in your notes. See. <laughs> nah, see. Nah, see. <laughs> this guy's killing people. See. Yeah. See. So unfortunately, uh, this is all going on, and uh, Rose suffered a few uh, severe injuries to her head, but was expected to actually survive. Her husband had his skull crushed during the attack and was not expected to live. Yeah, that's rough. In the hospital, as Rose was recovering, she was able to recall waking up in the night to her husband struggling with an intruder who was brandishing a, guess what, an axe. Huh. Imagine that. Interesting. After disabling the the, uh, the husband, the intruder came after her and her daughter. Incredibly, she claims she was able to uh, identify her attacker. This is kind of fucked up. She named seventeen-year-old Frank Giordano, son of their neighborhood or uh, their neighbor. I uh, oh, this name, Orlando. Yeah, it's Orlando with an I in front of it. So it's got to be so, Orlando. Yeah. When I was typing it out, though, the capital I's looked like L's. I'm like, man, he's gonna call him Orlando. To be honest, I thought that they were mistaken, so I went through and took all the eyes out <laughs> until I realized, wait a minute, that's not a mistake. <laughs> so yeah, his name is Orlando Giordano. So that's the uh, the father. <laughs> The Giordanos owned a uh, competing grocery store in the same block. According to locals, there had been bad blood between the families for a little while. The Cordomelias had worked for the Giordanos managing their grocery store. The Giordanos decided to uh, take over managing the grocery store themselves, putting the Cordomelias out of work. Well, the Cordomelias then opened their own grocery just a few doors down. So, Fucking grocery stores everywhere, dude. <laughs> I was thinking that at one point. I'm like... We got him grocery stores. How many fucking grocery stores you need? <laughs> like, Jesus. And they all did well, apparently. Hey, you oh see those fucking guys down there? You see those guys? They're tomatoes? No. You don't get tomatoes from them. You get tomatoes from me. You know why? Because my tomatoes are the fucking best, okay? Don't don't you guys get your tomatoes from the same place? No. No. He gets in. They get but this I from, saw, I they get saw from the, the Germans down there. We don't I, like that. But I saw the guy deliver No, you saw tomatoes, wrong. You saw wrong, sir. And then he went to their store. You saw wrong, sir. Okay. You saw wrong. Did I? Concrete shoes. You want it? Oh, no. Yours are way better. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. 
That's what you can just hear him down there. As fucking guys. Nah. You don't want this shit. So anyway. They're out, and they're both out in the front yelling at each other. <laughs> like, my fucking tomatoes are better than yours. Your tomatoes are shit. <laughs> Everyone in the neighborhood knows your tomatoes are shit. <laughs> yelling at each yeah. other from down the Fuck you. Your shit's not fresh. <laughs> You're not even really Italian. Oh, <laughs> oh that's it. <laughs> Hold me back. Hold me back. So the Giordanos vehemently deny any wrongdoing and claim the relationship with the Cornelius <laughs> has been cordial. So they're saying, hey, we have no beef. Also standing at six foot tall and weighing over 200 pounds, they say there's no way that their son could have squeezed his big old ass through the removed door panel. A few days later, surprising everyone, Charles, yeah, that's the father here. Crushed skull and all. Crushed skull and all. He actually regains consciousness. Woo! Yeah, he says that in fact it was not the neighbor that attacked him, oh. but it was an unknown assailant. He didn't know who it was. Right. Despite Just this. Some guy with an axe. Despite this, though. Yeah. Okay. Frank and his father are placed under arrest for the murder of Mary Cordemelia. That's the two-year-old. Yeah. So even though the guy gets up and says, no, she's fucking crazy. Look, if this guy <laughs> crushed my fucking skull, I'd tell you if it was this fucking guy. Yeah. It wasn't this fucking guy. It's, it, it, that's not who it was. I don't know it's what she's just, talking it's about. It's just some other fucking guy with yeah. an ex. Yeah, you fucking asshole. <laughs> so this brings us to Friday, March 14th, 1919. The newspaper in New Orleans, the Times... Pick a yoon. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Because <laughs> to me, I was going to say Pacuna. <laughs> That's not even close. Pick a yuna? Whatever. <laughs> they published a letter that read, uh, that we actually read at the beginning of the, uh, the show here, a mocking letter full of cryptic statements. Again, the letter states that the following Tuesday, the Axeman will spare anyone playing jazz as he is a jazz aficionado. And you know what? Who's not, though? I mean, truthfully, I do like myself a little jazz. Yeah. I'm not big into the whole jazz fusion thing, <laughs> you know, but I do like some jazz. <laughs> I, I, you know what they're I'm ruining saying? jazz with the jazz fusion. <laughs> These fucking guys over here, first of all, they're fucking tomatoes of shit in the jazz fusion. Nobody wants to hear rat tat 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 all the time. The fuck? Just play a fucking beat. I want to dance with my wife. So the following Wednesday would be St. Joseph's, uh, uh, St. Joseph's Day. <laughs> It's a day of celebrating within the Italian community, <laughs> which I've never heard of St. Joseph's Day before. It's because you're not fucking Italian. This is very true. I'm not. Your wife doesn't celebrate it? No, I don't she think so. She never brought up St. Saint, uh, Saint Joseph's? No. You got to ask her about it. Wait a minute. Do, do, I, I don't know. I'll have to ask her about that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So anyway, <laughs> so because of this, Tuesday night, you know, Tuesday night, there was all kinds of shit going on around yeah, the city. the night before. You know, They're hyped up about it, right? You're getting ready to celebrate the shit out of St. Joseph's That's Day. That's right. So now this is also the day. Yeah. The Axeman said, Ooh, you're not playing jazz. I'm coming down on your ass. It's interesting that he picked that Tuesday. Yeah. So jazz clubs were kind of being nice about it. Instead yeah. of being like a Sunday night, be like, <laughs> you guys better be a, no one ever had to be up on Monday. Yeah. Like, no, he, well, yeah, I guess because of the holiday the next day. Saying, yeah. Dude. He was yeah. like, eh, that's pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. So maybe he is organized. Yeah, it's not bad. Maybe you thought about he's, it. All right. Maybe he's not as big an asshole as we think he is. <laughs> maybe he's not as bad for a serial killer as, you know, he's not the worst, is all I'm saying. It's true. You not. know what I mean? Like he's, oh, speaking of worst serial killers, watch that fucking um, The Night Stalker. Um, yeah, Richard Ramirez. Richard, on Netflix. That dude's a nutbag. Fucking nut job. <laughs> Holy shit. I mean, do you, notice, do you notice now, too, there's shit about that hotel everywhere? But the Cecil? Yeah, I'm going to take credit for that. Yeah, we, that it, we did it first. At least we did it well first. Yeah. Now there's like a four-part series or some That's shit what I'm coming saying, out. Dude. Yeah. 
We did it first, you fucking bunch of fucking right. bastards. So anyway, because of this, jazz clubs were packed with people. Axeman parties, yes, Axeman parties were in full swing at people's houses. Even homeless, which is ironic that they said Axeman and full swing at the same time. <laughs> even homeless people along the riverfront. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. That's awesome. <laughs> homeless people along the riverfront imp- improvised their own instruments to play jazz all night because they didn't want to fucking die. Yeah. Tudor's bunch of banging on pans and shit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, take take your shoestring off. Just dude, tie just, it around something tie, and pluck it. Tie man. it around that can. Dude, give me a stick from your bindle. I gotta fucking make a bass out of it. <laughs> Bill, what's that noise? Those are my teeth chattering. <laughs> I'm fucking scared. So nobody was attacked that night, true to the word of the axe man. And they probably had a ton of fun not getting killed. Dude, that had to be a great night in New Orleans, man. Yeah, like, I mean, aside from the threat of death, everybody was everybody doing, was partying. Like the entire city was just aflame with jazz. That should be that should be a fucking night. That should be a night they celebrate in New Orleans. They should do that for sure. Even though I guess you're kind of celebrating the death of a lot of people. Nobody died. That was a good night. No one died not, that night. No, but prior to, I no, guess. Well, we're not insane. celebrating those nights. Well, I guess that's true. I don't know. You live down there. I don't know. Get a hold of them. I'm sure they would. They'll celebrate anything. <laughs> I know. I love it down there. Great. So now, unfortunately, that would not be the end of the Axeman's reign of terror. It wouldn't? It would not. No. No. Wednesday, May 21st, sees the trial. <laughs> There's a little offside here. Just to go back to Frank and Irlando. Um, May 21st actually sees the, their trial of uh, the Giordanos. And despite overwhelming evidence to their innocence and the refusal the refusal of Charles Cordemilia to identify either of them as the attacker, so the guy who was attacked said, nope, wasn't said, them. He's like, nah, guys. Uh, nah, uh, see, it wasn't them. Those aren't the right guys, I'm telling you. Yeah? And they're like, well, I'm sorry. Yes, they are. <laughs> you got hit in the head there, Charles. <laughs> Perhaps you're not seeing things clearly. No, I'm I'm pretty sure I saw who it was. It looks nothing like there was only one guy. I looked right into his eyes as he was swinging an axe at my head. I actually, I'm pretty sure it wasn't that guy. I actually have his business card right here. He, he left it, unfortunately. I we, took a photo with him. <laughs> the wife took a picture of us together while he was... Like, know. literally, this is us. We just had it developed. I, I saw. <laughs> anyway, he wouldn't fucking say that it was them. The jury convicts the two men based solely on the accusations of Rose, his wife, that bitch. <laughs> you bitch. The judge sentences Frank to death and his father to life in prison, which ugh, everyone was which hopeful. kind of blows my mind, because even if it was the kid, why the hell's the dead kid? There, I don't know. There was no mention that he was in the house or anything. Were they assuming that he's the one that like, sent his son down there? Maybe. I don't know. I would be so pissed if like my son, like Riley or Logan, if they went and did something, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm being tried for it. <laughs> But like, yeah, your son killed somebody, but uh, you are his dad, so. <laughs> like, what the fuck? We're, we're just assuming it's your fault. <laughs> God damn it. You did kind of Dude, I would birth fucking, him. I yeah. would destroy my kid if yeah, that happened. Yeah, I'd be happened. so not happy. I'm going down for you. Fuck that. Right. So now they're thinking, everybody's thinking that, okay, the Axeman has been caught, right? They think he's the, cough, the, 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 the 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 Axeman is the, uh, the, uh, the kid. The Giordano's or, yeah, the Giordano's, yeah. Right? Yeah. Sorry, I lost my spot. <laughs> I'm getting hyped about this because this is a great... I love this whole thing. So anyway, they're like, okay, we got him. That's it. But then, however, on Sunday, August 10th, 1919, the Axeman would strike yet again. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. On this morning, Stephen Boca, who, uh, you guessed it, an Italian immigrant grocer, 
shocker, came stumbling out of his apartment that was, yes, connected to his grocery store on Elysian Fields Avenue. <laughs> Quick story about Elysian Fields oh, Avenue. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> I got arrested on Elysian Fields Avenue. Nice. Yeah. Uh, it was late at night, and I was leaving work, <clears throat> and uh, the, way the, road, <laughs> the way the road is, it's like every other street that crosses it, there's a light. Okay. So it's like there's a street, and then a light, then a street, then a light. It makes sense. I was really tired. I worked like a double that day, and I was leaving, <laughs> I was leaving work. And uh, I saw the light turn red, so I slowed down and came to a stop. But I stopped at the street before the red, the red light, right? And there was a fucking cop behind me. <laughs> so he pulls me over like immediately. And uh, it turns uh, out I had I had a warrant for not paying another ticket. Oh Jesus! I spent I spent six hours in downtown Central Holding in New fucking New Orleans at like four in the morning. Dude. Ew! Danny, that sounds horrible. Danny was pregnant. Oh it's boy! I had to call her and, like. This just keeps getting worse. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, it was awesome. That's <laughs> oh, was it? <laughs> it sounds great. Mom, dad, if for some reason you're listening, you didn't hear any of that, by the way. <laughs> well, he ends up stumbling. Uh, Stephen Boca, the guy who, uh, the Italian immigrant guy here, he stumbled down the street, bleeding profusely from several severe head wounds, making his way to his friend's house. His friend Frank helped him in, treated his wounds, and called for help. The police investigated the scene and found all the Axeman trademarks, including the chiseled door panel, and another, you guessed it, bloody axe in the kitchen. Well, you know, hopefully he left it somewhere that was easily cleaned up. Like the one was in a bathtub, which is nice because you could just spray it off. You think that's what it is? He's being thoughtful? My question is, who the fuck still keeps an axe at their house at this point? In oh, time? there'd be no axes. <laughs> no. Dude, no kitchen knives, nope. no axes, nothing. Nothing with a sharp edge on no. it whatsoever. No, there no, would be sir. nothing. None of that. So on Tuesday, September 2nd, 1919. Sign out front. You have no axes. <laughs> Dear Axeman, wrong house. <laughs> no, sir. All killing implements have been removed. Yes, I, I, I break <laughs> sticks with my foot at this point, okay? Like I'm trying to teach my son to do the Miyagi out there and chop it with his hands and his hands all fucked up. So on Tuesday, September 2nd, 1919. A druggist named William Carlson hears a suspicious noise outside of his back door. Awesome he, again, another one, fires several <laughs> shots through the door at the would-be intruder. <laughs> yeah. Just that, like sitting in your, ta- your kitchen table, you just hear like... Like, what the... What the fuck? <laughs> Blow your back door off the hinges like, fuck that! All of a sudden you hear... <laughs> Fucking cat. Fucking wife trying to get in the house. Jesus Christ. (laughs) You're trying to kill me? No. Uh, No, honey, I didn't know it was you. Well, obviously, the figure runs off, leaving behind. (laughs) Guess what he left behind, Moody? Um, His pants. An axe. Ooh. Yes. Maybe his pants. I don't know. I wasn't there. It's it's possible. It's not in the story, but it's... I don't know. Probably his pants full of shit after the fucking shotgun going through. Just a blast going through. Yeah. (laughs) Just gone. It smells really bad out here. He left behind an axe and a pile of shit. (laughs) Follow the streak. I'm sure we'll find him. So Wednesday, September 3rd, 1919, a young woman named Sarah Lawman is attacked in her bed by a man with a... An axe. You guessed it. Yeah. She sustained several head wounds, but recovers at the hospital. She claimed that the man came after her in the dark with an axe, yet she could offer no description of her attacker. A bloody axe was found in the yard, but that's possibly the only similarity at the crime scene. Entry was gained this time through a window, not a chiseled door panel. 
And she was young, not Italian, and not a grocer. Was this the work of the Axeman? Or maybe a copycat killer? Hmm. Hmm. Which happens quite often, and it's really weird. Well, yeah, you got to think when something like this is happening, if somebody, if someone's like, if someone has motive, we'll say. Like, say, say you really were like, someone was really pissing you off and you had the the ability <laughs> I mean like every day of my well, life <laughs> yeah but i mean but you had like you had the ability in your head to to be like i could kill this person and then all of a sudden somebody's going around slaughtering people with axes and you're like this is my fucking chance i could totally get away i with could this. just break in fucking hit him with an axe a couple of times and no one would ever think anything about it they would think it's this person and that's only if you have the werewaffle <clears throat> to actually go in and did you say werewaffle yeah the werewaffle is that like a like a person that turns into a waffle, like in a full moon? It's just a hairy waffle. Yeah, it's the werewaffle. We've talked about that before, have we? Yeah. Is that like one of those cryptids? <laughs> it's, it's the werewaffle. No, instead of saying wherewithal, <laughs> I've never heard that. You know, people before. say, "Oh, you have the wherewithal to do something." I yeah. say werewaffle. I've never heard that before. We've said it on this show. I've never heard that. I've no way. Prove it. Yes, that's it. All right, passengers, listen. You know I've said werewaffle before, and you need to tell us what episode. In fact, if you if you find it, the sister skeleton will find it for us. All right, I know they will. I know they'll find that episode. If you find it, I will personally send you five dollars. I will go. PayPal you five dollars if you find and post. Uh, uh, an audio clip of John saying werewaffle, not from this episode. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. You're like, you just said it. Here it is. Five Cause, bucks. Because that's what I would do. Yeah, that's funny. So yes, we're the werewaffle. Anyway, so Mike and Rose, but before I keep going on, but no, I see what you're saying though, because at that point in time, yeah. you, you, if so you have that similar, ability to do but that. it's not the same. Yeah. You know? So they've already kind of got eyes on somebody else. Yep. And so you come in and do it just like they would. Yeah. And it's like, well, I there you go. Hopefully I got away with it. Absolutely. It makes sense. Okay. It's just a way to kind of like cover your own tracks by using somebody else's shit. Right. And back then it's not like, you know, forensics was like a thing exactly. at all. So exactly. they didn't even have any like fingerprints or anything like that. So, right. So Mike and Rose Pepitoni. I'm going to say Pepitoni. I think it's Pepitone. Pepitone. I think there was like a, it was like a sports guy, famous sports Pepitone. Pepitone. Joe, Joe. Something. Sounds maybe. like something you, you drink when your stomach's hurting. <laughs> Like, oh, oh, give me the pepitone. Oh, those sausage and peppers, man. Oh, <laughs> baby, can you hand me that pepitone? Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, they yeah, it's the pink stuff, the pepitone. <laughs> the pepitone, right. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike and Rose Pepitone. Yeah, he was a baseball player, Joe Pepitone. There you go. Right. He was, uh, they were Italian immigrants uh, who ran a grocery store at the corner of Uloa. Uloa, yeah, in South Scott Streets. They shared the residence with their six children, ages 2 to 12. In the early morning of Monday, October 27, 1919, a man named Ben Corcoran, 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 a sheriff's deputy, happened to be walking by the store. As he passed by the Pepitones, uh, the 11-year-old daughter came running out, screaming at him for help. Inside the home, he found a horrific scene. Mike Pepitone lay on the bed with his skull smashed in from several smashes with a blunt object. He was still alive, but barely. He was rushed to the hospital, where he would unfortunately die a short time later. His wife and children now were all unharmed. Rose claims that around 2 a.m., she was startled by her husband's screams. She saw two shadows retreating towards the children's room. Two? You heard that right. Did I? Two. 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 (sighs) Two shadows. She turned to the kids' room, but the attackers had dipped out the back door. Bounced. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, shit, she sees us. (laughs) Run. Anyway, so police include this in the uh, Axeman murders despite a couple of significant differences. First, entry was made via a window that was broken enough to unlatch and open it. 
Second, the murder weapon was a pipe with a large nut at the end. And it was found that there was no axe on fucking, hand at the house. Fucking children better stop laughing at that shit. It's not funny. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> I got a pipe with a nut at the end. I just, hey. know, I just know how our listeners are. And they're, yeah. they're just like, a <laughs> pipe with a nut. <laughs> Smacked it with a pipe. <laughs> I do that all the time with my wife. Hey, hey, smack it with my pipe. With the nut at the end. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you get, hey, yo. hey, you get what I'm saying? <laughs> so fucked up. <laughs> so anyway, what they think is is that uh, the killer there was no axe there, so they think that he just pretty much just used whatever was on hand. Right. Right. All right. So also the obvious claim of there being two attackers. That's not normal. Weird, weird, weird. Police noted that Rose did not seem to be upset over the incident. That bitch didn't care and did not cry or show any emotion when answering questions. Nope. But uh, we'll go back to old Rose Pepitone. The pink stuff. Man, the lady Pepitone. She ain't up to, uh, doesn't look too upset about all this, yeah, eh? She, she, she doesn't seem all right, see? Like, you know what I mean, see? She seems... Yeah, she's a Pepitone. She know? seems complacent, They're see? Tough. They're tough, those Pepitones. Man, the Pepitone. Speaking of, my stomach hurts. <laughs> the residents didn't know it yet, <laughs> but this would be the last Axeman killing. Yeah. And just as abruptly as it started, it was over. No more Axeman. No, done. So... Who was this motherfucker? Were there suspects? Well, let's take a look into this. There weren't many. Right. So first off, whatever happened to Frank and his father that were convicted (laughs) in the killing of two-year-old Mary Cordemilia? Well, on December 6, 1920, Rose Cordemilia recanted her statement and claimed she only accused the men because of her jealousy stemming from the feud between the families. A family feud, if you will. Survey says... Ding, 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 ding. Okay, just kidding. So, whatever. Shit's funny. I think it's funny. Anyway, people are out there going, what? Family feud. <laughs> family feud's great. Technically, this is the second family feud we've had. Hatfields <laughs> and McCoys. We did have that one. And yeah. they literally went on the show, Family Feud. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, fucked up thing about uh, Family Feud. Two of the hosts of the Family Feud um, have committed suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that fucked? Yep. Mm. Well, I mean, if that was your life. Well. I don't know. Fucking, what's his name? What's the dude that runs it now? Um, Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. He seems like he's having a blast. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty. Uh, dude. He's funny as shit. Right, yeah. I, I think he's funny anyway. When he's not fucking up Miss America or Miss World <laughs> pageants or whatever the. Fuck and the winner is not you, bitch. <laughs> Sorry. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I fucked up. Yeah. Just kidding. It was you. I'm. I'm my bad. So anyway, the men were given full pardons <laughs> and they were set free. So good that's for awesome. Them. Yes. You know what? Give good. them a. There yes. we go. Those poor guys. They were in jail for like two years. Yeah. That sucks. The entire time going. This is fucking bullshit. <laughs> We didn't fucking do it. I didn't fucking do anything. Even the fucking guy said I didn't fucking do it. You know what I mean? Look, we were in jail, and then the fucking Pepitones got it. You think that yeah, was us, too? Was, yeah, it wasn't us, man. Think of that shit. And by the way, the food here is fucking horrible. <laughs> you got that Pepitone on you? <laughs> so crime writer... Uh, that's fantastic. So crime writer Colin Wilson speculates <laughs> that the Axeman could have been Joseph Mumphrey, a man shot to death in Los Angeles in December 1920 by the widow of Mike Pop Pepitone. Who are we talking about? The Pepitone. Rose Pepitone. That chick went out to California, found this fucking guy, and shot him. So that's what he says. This is, you know, because that was Mike Pepitone, her husband, was the axe so, man's yeah. last known victim. So the story, the story is that she knew who it was. Found the guy in California, went which out is there this and found uh, him. Joseph Monfrey guy, right? Yeah. Went out there, found him, and killed him. So that's that's the supposed 
story. Right. So Wilson's theory has been uh, widely repeated in other true crime books and websites. However, true crime writer Michael Newton searched New Orleans and L.A. public police and court records as well as newspaper archives and failed to find any evidence of a man with the name Joseph Mumry, Mumphrey or any similar name having been assaulted or killed in Los Angeles. Hmm. So it seems a little bit kind of off there. Interesting. So Newton was also not able to find any information that Mrs. Pepitone identified in some sources as Esther Albano and in others simply as, quote, woman who claimed to be Pepitone's <laughs> widow. Uh, can I see your ID? Real fast there, lady. I'm sorry, you're going a little bit too fast. Uh, so what's your name? Uh, woman? What's your last name, woman? Um, who claimed to be Pepitone's widow. Is that French? <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? Pepitone's widow. That's my name. Okay. <laughs> First name Pepitone. Last name Last widow. Name widow. Get it right, you fuck. <laughs> so anyway, uh, there's no nothing they're saying that uh, she was arrested, tried, or convicted for such a crime, or indeed had even been in California. So Newton notes that Mumphrey was not an unusual surname in New Orleans at the time of the crimes. It appear, uh, actually appears that there uh, may have been an individual named Joseph Mumphrey, uh, or spelled different ways, Mumphrey M-O or Mumphrey M-U, in New Orleans who had a criminal history and who ha- uh, may have been connected with organized crime. Oh. However, local records for the period are not extensive enough to allow confirmation <laughs> of this or to positively <laughs> identify the individual. Didn't fucking care back then. <laughs> right. Get yeah, they... So. I mean, why, you know, you think about all the stories of like killers back, even like in the, the 50s and 60s and like, like fucking um, List, John List, the guy that killed his fucking family, oh, disappeared man. and started a new life and didn't get caught till 18 years later. Like you could do that shit back then. They yeah. just, they didn't give a fuck. I mean, look at Golden State. You know what I mean? That yeah. guy, that, yeah. that motherfucker. Ugh. Fucking D'Angelo, you fucking bastard. You fucking bastard. Me. You don't get no pepperton. Anyway. <laughs> So uh, Wilson's explanation is basically it's just an urban legend and that there is more evidence now on the identity of the killer than there was at the time of the crimes. So two of the alleged early victims of the Axeman, an Italian couple named Schiambra or Schiambra, probably Schiambra, right? That sounds like a fucking Schiambra, right? Well, they were shot by an intruder in the Lower Ninth Ward home, in their Lower Ninth Ward home, in the early morning hours of May 16th, 1912. So this is obviously This is one of the ones that I was saying that they found out that there wasn't an axe murder, they were shot. Right. Even though it was reported by that detective that there was an axe murder. Right. Right. So uh, the male Schiambri survived while his wife died, unfortunately. In newspaper accounts, the prime suspect is referred to by the name of Mumphrey more than once. While radically different than the Axeman's usual modus operandi, if Joseph Mumphrey was indeed the Axeman, the Schiambris may well have been early victims of the future serial killer. So this is where... Nice! So this is where that whole correlation between like what could have happened and what did happen, and it could it have possibly been this guy. Right, right. And then if you go through in the timeline, and then all of a sudden you hear about Mumphrey, and then Mumphrey actually killed the guy could in the beginning. Been, yeah, it's, it's like this so weird, fucking weird. It's very convoluted kind of fucking. It's just fucking weird. It's yeah. fucking weird. It's fucking weird. So now listen. It's all because the goddamn Pepitone. <laughs> it's the fucking Pepitone. God, I like sausage and Pepitone. It's good. <laughs> Put that pink shit on everything. <laughs> so let's talk about the black hand. All right. So uh, we mentioned a minute ago here about, uh, you know, organized crime. Well, so yeah. the black hand, if you're familiar, is usually what happens uh, with frostbite. Yes. Right. That's what we're talking about. Yes. Frostbite. Yes. Okay. No. 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 Not this time. I mean, oh. that is what happens. Oh. Frostbite sucks, by the way. 
Never had it. I've almost, I had it like on the tips of my fingers one time when yeah. I was a kid. Like uh, it, I healed from it or whatever. Good, but good. dude, it sucked. Well, that's good. Yeah, it fucking good. sucked. Anyway. So since the majority of the Axeman's attacks were on Italian-American grocers, it has led some to believe that they were all victims of an early form of mafia called the Black Hand. What the fuck? <laughs> black Hand crime was a name given to an extortion method used in Italian neighborhoods at this time. Therefore, the murders could be linked to unpaid extort- extortion debts. So basically, you're not fan- paying for your right. fucking protection. Right. This is what's going to fucking happen. <laughs> You're not paying for us to protect you, so we're going to fucking kill you. Right. I mean, that's that's what happened back yeah. then. I mean, truthfully, if you yeah. weren't paying into that, that's what they did. So um, ridiculous. It is fucking stupid. Because that way, you're not paying for protection. You're just paying to not die. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. You're paying them to protect you from them. That's right. what it is. So, however, the Axeman frequently left suspects alive, which many mafia experts believe would not have been the case if they had been actual, true, black hand attacks. So, they didn't leave right. any. they didn't leave anybody. Right. You don't. You fucking take everybody, okay? Yeah. In a similar vein, many Sicilian immigrants to America at that time had a deep distrust of the authorities, which led them to take disputes into their own hands and settle them the old-fashioned way, otherwise known as the vendetta. Mm. The vendetta could well have been the reason behind a number of the attacks. The good old sleep with the fishes, see, man. Yeah, you want to fuck around? You won't be around there, Bill. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, one guy fucking gets mad and kills the other guy, and then the other guy, it just, that, to me, that one doesn't seem right. Whose tomatoes suck now, bitch? <laughs> Talk again about my tomatoes. You can't. Yeah, there's an axe in your ass, you fuck. So now let's talk about copycat killers. Ooh. Although the axe man had a very distinct method of operation, not all the killings followed it to the letter, leading some to believe the axe man was, in fact, several people who may or may not have been working together to terrorize the community. Looking at some of the crimes, there were definitely differences to the norm, whether it be the murder weapon or the mode of entry, even the number of assailants. This tends to be a pretty popular theory in a lot of circles. Yeah, a lot of a lot of things I was reading about it, like if you get into like people trying to explain it, they think that it was uh, it was more than one person, it was a group of people, and uh, I don't I don't know. I, I... Yeah, I don't know about that. The only reason I'd say that, that that could potentially be it is because the one lady said that she saw two figures. And then yeah. somebody else earlier and mentioned so they may have seen a, a couple of whatever, with, you know? When you're, when you're talking about the Pepitones, that one seems to be an outlier for a couple of reasons. And, and one of them is the whole the thing with her supposedly finding um, that Momfrey and then shooting him in California and whatever. Cause there's reports. Uh, I mean, you can get deeper into that one. And I just, I didn't because it's not it's necessarily. Hole, yeah. yeah. But there's, there's talks of like, she was um, having an affair with this Momfrey guy. And then she had a part in the killing and that's why she didn't care so much. Like, when they were questioning her and she didn't seem too upset about it is because she wanted him dead and she was ha- like carrying on an affair with this Mumphrey guy. Oh, yeah, because she's like, the one that didn't seem concerned who about was it. Like, yeah. And he was like a mafia guy, so she used him and his connections to have the husband killed, and then she ended up killing It's just like... But listen, folks, so. as you know, if you're, again, a true crime listener or whatever, which I'm infatuated with, you can never, ever, ever predict how a person's going to react in those circumstances. No, absolutely. People she could have just been like, fuck, your brain could have just been Exactly. You short, know what I mean? Like you never know. There's been, there's been people out there that have like, their, their significant others have died or they've almost died or whatever and they're hysterically just laughing because they can't stop. 
You know what I mean? You're, they're trying to cope. They're You're like, trying to cope ah. somehow like, oh my God, you know, and some people, yeah. th that's how a lot of these false fucking uh, confessions come into play too. Yeah. Because people don't know how to react with stuff and then all of a sudden they're, they're in there with somebody. They're drilled and they're yeah. like, you did it, didn't you? They're like, I guess I must have, I, yeah. fucking, I guess I had to have done it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, did, I, did, I had the pepitone and then I didn't. I guess I, I don't know. So it happens all the fucking time. Yeah. So this is my favorite of the possibilities, by the way. And, be surprised at how often this one comes up. And this one, this one's pretty awesome. And uh, <laughs> the last possible suspect could be an ungodly demon. His ability to appear in people's houses in the middle of the night and vanish just as easily have some believing the Axeman was indeed what he said he was in his letter to the press. Quote, the worst spirit that had that ever existed, either in fact of, or realm of fancy. Yeah. People point to the fact that whomever it was was able to fit through tiny openings in the door lending to the claim that it was a shape-shifting demon. <laughs> Combined with the wording in the infamous letter, since people who are easily led down the path believe wholeheartedly that this was truly the work of evil incarnate. And you got to think, too, uh, at that time, you know, especially like in an Italian community, religion was a big thing. Yeah, I mean, it's they're, huge. They're very religious, They're you know, and it's like... Well, what happens? Something like that is is fucking evil, man. It, it, well, first of all, it is evil. It's one hundred percent. That's how your mind rationalizes, especially with unexplained things. Right. Like, well, when wait you a can't minute. Figure out who it was. How did he how get, did in, he the get in the fucking door? door? Yeah. How did the, how's this guy get in the fucking door? Yeah. You know what I mean? And instantly they go, <gasps> Mary. I'm telling you what. He even said in his letter he was a demon. He's a fucking. Did you read that letter? Did you read the letter? That's a fucking demon. Yeah. That's a fucking demon. I mean, you got you got a whole community like that that is very faith. Very devout. Very devout, yeah. and they, they believe, and it's a very religious area. Right? And, and then it goes around and around and around and around. So, yeah. And then you know what? Boom, demons. That's demons. That's how, that's how they get you. Demons. That's how they fucking get you. That is. They'll do that. Yeah, the demons will do that to you. <laughs> so other than those theories, there doesn't seem to be much else in the way of suspects, although during the investigation of the murder of the, the first victims, the Maggios, a crazy side story emerged, and this is what we wanted this you guys to wait for. Earlier, yeah. All right. fuck. <laughs> I'm glad I found this because I was doing a little bit more research and this popped up. It's fucking wild. I got right? this out of a newspaper, uh, a New Orleans newspaper, by the way. Right. So if you guys remember the Maggios, all right, those were supposedly like the, the what they believe to be the first victims of the Axeman. All right. Yeah. So the killing of Joseph and Catherine um, da, um, Maggio, it was you never solved. You almost said DiMaggio. I almost said DiMaggio. <laughs> sort of got. But the case did uh, it take up another phase uh, the next day, just hours after Andrew Maggio's release from jail at 3 a.m. on May 26. Dotson and Obitz, the detectives who are um, who discovered the writing on the chalk, which remember it said she'll be sitting up like Mrs. Tony, like Mrs. Tony was right. the chalk, the chalk right. writing on the yeah. Right. So it, it, it this is fucking crazy. So these two detectives who are working, you know, the, I guess they're working the case or they're just leaving or whatever. They find the yeah. They found the writing. They find the writing on the. Um, on, on the sidewalk uh, from where Joseph and Catherine Maggio had been killed. Um, and then they were sitting at a stoop at Barone and Calliope streets. Wrong. Calliope. It's Calliope is how they pronounce it. You fucking, that's ca dude, Calliope. They, I know, but they, dude, there's so many streets that they, there's a street that's Burgundy, but they pronounce it Burgundy. It's fucking dumb. It's Calliope. Calliope. That's how it's pronounced. You got uh, Barone right. I'm, I'm, I'm probably on the Barone. I was going to say Baroni. <laughs> Because I like me a little bit of a baroni on some fucking toasts. Put a little bit of pepitone on like there. Fried baroni with pepitone. I love me some fried baroni sandwiches. And in Calliope Streets, anyway, while investigating a series of robberies in the neighborhood, a man approached them, Dotson and 
uh, Obitz, the two detectives, accosted him, and according to news reports about the incident, and a gun battle began. Obitz, who was 38, was shot through the heart and died. Was he to blame? Huh? (laughs) Shot through the heart. Was he to blame? Oh, my God. And where's the womp womp at? Yeah, you get it. Oh, good for you. That one works, too. That one works, too. Oh, now I know I got that one in the bank. Yeah, that's good. So in the aftermath, two innocent men who were mistakenly identified as having been the man confronted at Barone and Calliope were shot dead by police who faced no legal consequences for the killings. So... So there was one person that uh, that was accosted by police. So they stopped him, and they ended up fighting and right. shooting. And this guy, supposed, and the one, the guy that they were fucking with, shot the one guy through the heart. Right, and then he took off. And then later on, they misidentified two separate people and right. shot both of them. Shot them dead in the street. Yeah, fucking street justice. Bang. Yeah. They, That's they, it. They saw one guy and shot him, and they were like, "Oh, it wasn't that guy?" And then they saw another <laughs> guy, and they're like, "Oh, that was that guy," and they shot him <laughs> Can too. Can you fucking imagine? Like, what the fuck? You're just walking down the street. Oh, I'm going to go get some fucking tomatoes. I'm so excited. Just the one store, not the other store. The other yeah, store fucking sucks. Suck. I don't like those. Anyway, yeah, maybe pick up some pepperton while I'm out there. You know, all of a sudden, hey, yeah, what's up? How are you? Bang! <laughs> you know what I mean? Just done. And then while you're laying there dying, they're like, oh, shit, that's not him. <laughs> that's the last thing you fucking hear. Hey, sorry, buddy. All right. Uh, Let's keep this between yeah, us. This hey. between us. You know what? Uh, bang! <laughs> Is now. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Fucking crazy. So four days after the fatal shooting of Obitz, a teenager named Frank Bailey was arrested as a suspect at a house at the corner of Liberty and Perdido Streets. Okay, keep that name in mind. Quote, Will the death of Detective Theodore Obitz handicap the police in their pursuit of evidence upon which to lay a foundation for disclosing the murderer or murderers of Joseph Maggio and his wife, who were hacked to death with an axe last Thursday morning in the bedroom of Magnolia and Upper Line Streets? That's end quote. The states um, asked in a front page story published on May 28th, quote, Obitz was one of the most active of the investigators in the Maggio mystery and is said to have possessed some information that might lead to its solution. Okay. So Obitz, the detective who was working on the Axeman cases said he might know something, might know something, get shot in the heart. And then those other cops go and they kill the people that they thought did it. And then they finally catch somebody, which is this Bailey guy. Yep. Okay. Everyone on the same page here? Because it's kind of fucked up. (laughs) So Bailey confessed uh, to several robberies and to shooting Obitz. Though at trial, he changed his story and said he had falsely admitted to the killing of the officer because he was being tortured by police, which, which I could... is a very common thing, especially, especially back then. Yeah, it, it happens these fucking today. Correct. Yeah, they, it, they probably They badger happened. the shit out of you until you admit to it. Yeah. The, what was that? Uh, Gotta get their guy. Was it... Uh, that Brandon Dassey yeah, to or make whatever a murderer, was, Making yeah. a murderer or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, they, I watched that, dude. That was fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Do I think the other guy probably did it? Yeah, I don't think I don't think Nasty or Dassey or whatever his name is. Anyway, I don't know. Whatever. We're not gonna get into that one. So anyway, um, he changed his story because he was being tortured by cops. This is what he said. He didn't uh, deny firing his gun in the shootout. Okay, so he says he did shoot, but Obitz Bailey said at trial had actually been shot by Dotson, the other fucking officer, the other popo. You hear that, people? The other cop shot him. This is coming from this guy who's right. he's claiming like he's like, listen, I shot. I swear to God, I know I shot. I shot my gun, but right. I didn't shoot him. Right. So Bailey, um, um, you know, the jury didn't buy it, obviously. And however, you know, Frank Bailey was convicted of murder in the death of Theodore Obitz and sentenced to die at the old parish prison. 
He was executed just over two years later on, on August 13th, 1920. He was only 18 years old. But before going to the gallows, Bailey angrily denounced the prosecution. Quote, Detective Harry Dotson, partner of Obitz, was the man who killed him. Bailey told the states in a jailhouse interview published the day before he was hanged. Quote, one of the bullets fired by Dotson struck Obitz in the head and um, as he was shooting at me, which is weird because didn't they say he got shot in the uh, chest? Said he got shot through the heart, but, yeah. you know, they can say whatever the fuck they want and do whatever they want with the body before anyone has a chance to see it. Very true. The public doesn't see what happened to his body, you know? Right. He says, you know, that he shot him in the head as he was shooting at me. He continues to say, I fired three shots as I ran, but I am sure none of them took effect. I fired as I ran and could not take aim. So basically, he was just doing one of these, like, behind him, like, ah! Behind. Yeah. But if I am to die for the murder of Obitz, who is going to pay the pen- who is going to pay the penalty for the deaths of Lewis Johnson and Abraham Price, two innocent Negroes who were shot down while they were hunting me? Those are the two people that they mistaken the identity. So, and it doesn't say anywhere if this Frank Bailey guy was black or not. I don't know. Frank Bailey doesn't really sound like that's I mean, what does I'm it? saying. So how how would they mistake two black guys? <laughs> I just now thought, yeah, that'd be like they shoot a black guy and they're like, oh, that's not John Sayer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They must have saw me from the uh, waist down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, you like that? Hey, no. Okay. Jesus Christ. Stupid joke. That was easy. That was too easy. I apologize for that joke. That was horrible. You should. You should feel bad for I that. I do. I feel bad for that one. Wait, wait. wait. Yeah, where is I got to. What, what do you got? There we go. There. Thank you. Appreciate that. There's, there's my boot. So anyway, he ke- uh, keeps going on here. When, uh, when I have been executed, nothing will have been taken out of this world Friday. Uh, most persons who hang are expected to make a last request. I will make none, not to the people of Louisiana, but I will make it to God. He hears, the public do not. I am going to walk the gallows without a whimper. If there is such a thing as a spirit coming back to earth, I do not want to come back. Yeah, so yeah. that's uh, some pretty fucking crazy little piece of this whole fucking thing. So so in my head, what's happening is, is that Obitz knew something about the Axeman. His partner, or the other detective there, had the chance to take care of him during this whole little blitz, shot him, blamed Bailey for it, yeah. gets rid of Bailey. Yeah. Still don't really understand so, where the other two guys fit in on it, though. I don't even Especially don't even. if Bailey's... So do you think that... Do you think? Are you saying that the other cop had something to do with the axe murders? Mm-hmm. And he was using this as a cover-up? Yeah, that's what I think. I think they were trying. I think they were trying to stop uh, Obitz <clears throat> from uh, from talking because he knew too much. That's interesting because I didn't really see anything about that, like theory-wise. I wonder if that's out there. And that's my theory. Yes, I have to look into that a little bit yes, more. You see. So anyway, so yeah, it's all kinds of crazy shit. So there were some um, um, later attacks too that might possibly have been the axe man. Uh, Joseph Sparrow and his daughter in December of 1920 in the city of Alexandria in central Louisiana. Giovanni Orlando of the Riddler in western Louisiana a month later. In January 1921, oh, that was in January 1921, and Frank Scalisi of nearby Lake Charles in April of the same year. Opinion is divided on whether these later attacks were the work of the Axeman or not. Some researchers do not even attribute the Pepitone murder to him. Fucking Pepitone. Fucking Pepitone. So we're likely never, ever, ever going to know... What the hell happened? We're not going to know who the Axeman ever was. We're not going to know if it was a cover-up, if it was a copycat killer, if it was one person that just had a vendetta against an Italian store. He didn't like the tomatoes. He didn't like the fucking tomatoes. You know what I mean? I mean, it does sound like there obviously was... A it. type? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, what, pretty much all of them a majority. One. A majority of them were Italian. A majority of them owned a grocery store. 
Like it's it yeah. They yeah. were all all the weapons were found at they were all found at the house. So weird. Yeah. So weird. So anyway, that is the story of the Axeman of New Orleans. The the still un unclosed <laughs> <laughs> This is still open, I guess you'd say. I don't know if it's still open or not, but it's unsolved. Right. Case right. of the Axeman. Yeah. And it's a fucking wild case that I've been baffled the, by forever. The weird thing about it is just looking at the research, there's so much different. Like, I even found, like, some of the names of the uh, the victims that I found. Like, if you look in different books and, like, different sources, like, they're spelled differently. Like, there's different. It's weird. It's kind of weird. So, I don't know. There's a lot of, like, different. I went with the most common things that I saw, but like, uh, I mean, even listening to like, uh, I checked out a couple other podcasts on it and they had stuff that I didn't read anywhere. You know, I'm like, I don't, where do you, where did they get that? And I couldn't find any sort of reference to what some of these other people were saying. So it was kind of weird. Like, I don't know where these sources are from. Like, I don't know what if it's like this, the stuff that I found was like the most common like threads in the whole thing. Yeah. Like, and it makes, I mean, listen, so there's all there's these, probably, there's all these little like, yeah, there's it, it, yeah. with it being as old as it is. Yeah. And with there being so many different, that's what um, makes it intriguing. Variants too, too. When it happened too, like yeah. that time period and everything is just like a weird time period. Cause it was right after the war ended and yeah, it's fucked up. It's a lot of weird shit going it's fucked on. Up. Somebody just didn't like that tomatoes. Yeah. I mean, I guess. So anyway, that was the ax, man. We hope you guys really enjoyed that. And now it's uh And if you didn't enjoy it, well, you know, fuck you. Yeah, right. I mean, basically. Go get yourself some fucking pepitone and calm <laughs> down, okay? Set of your fucking stomach. Cause you obviously you're an asshole. Might have to get some pepitone on the way home, you know what I mean? <laughs> so let's talk about the top horror movies that took place in the one and only New Orleans or Louisiana. Whatever. That's actually quite fitting for this episode. Yeah, the music. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, today, time today, jazz type thing. Today, today, today. today. So we we're talking about the top ten movies that uh, you know were either so, about Louisiana yeah, or the list associated with the list. I found is is about Louisiana, not necessarily New Orleans. Um, but it, it was a weird. So the only top lists I could find, like there was, I didn't find one. Uh, like horror movies. I didn't find any on like Ranker. I didn't find one on IMDb. This list actually comes from a fucking radio station website. And it's it's 10 of the best movies that, well, I don't know where they got them from, like what their their idea of the 10 best movies are. And I don't know if it's in any particular order, but it's 10 of the best, quote unquote, the best horror movies uh, based in Louisiana. Well, this comes from... Uh Classic Rock Highway 98.9. <laughs> the afternoon drive here. Johnny and Moody uh, coming at you. Hey, Moody. So, uh, yeah, we're going to we, talk uh, about the top movies here. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Do you we're like that? Take, yeah, absolutely. We'll take some calls after this and get your thoughts on... Uh, <laughs> right after station identification right here on <laughs> fuckyourface.com. Whatever. I don't know. So, first of all, number 10 is The Rig, and I've never heard of this one. Um, a crew on an oil, uh, oil drig... <laughs> Jesus a crew Christ. in an oil drilling rig in the Gulf of Mexico decided to ride out the storm as a hurricane begins to rage. One of the crew members mysteriously goes missing and their, their search to find him fails. The crew realizes that they are being stalked by a deadly creature that is Ooh. picking them off one at a time. Unlike real life, it's not the hurricane that's scary, 
but the damned thing in the water. Wow. <laughs> I kind of want to see how bad that movie is. Yeah. it does. There's no ratings or anything on this either. It just yeah. says this is number 10. So that's We're number 10. To, it's I'm called The Rig. Check it out. Now, number nine. All right. I fucking love great, this movie. Great movie. There's three of them now, and they're all amazing. They're so good. And the main reason is... The birth of a new slasher movie. Man. Yeah, but it's, it's old it's, school. It's got our boy in it. It's got the original Jason uh, Voorhees in it. Not in, the original. Well, not the original. One, of, one, one of, of the... One of the longer he ones. Was in, he was in three. I think he was in uh, six, seven, and eight, maybe. Was he? Yeah. He was in the later ones. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, right. So this is one you can't live without, it says, on Halloween. A night that is supposed to be... Fun becomes a horrific nightmare for a group of tourists who find themselves stranded in the wilderness of a Louisiana swamp while on a haunted swamp tour in New Orleans. Something in the swamp has a hatchet and loves to use it. Surprisingly, it's not a cast member of the show, Swamp People. Mr. (laughs) Crowley. (laughs) So if you guys haven't seen this, it's, it's, uh, um, what the hell's his damn name? I can't think of his name now. The the Jason Voorhees guys we were talking about. Um, you, I can't fucking. I just lost it. Too. Oh my god, I had it. I was about to say it too. Um, He's. Just, oh my god. Hold on. <laughs> so anyway, he is this slasher, and it's like a. And he's got the other main dude is um, real fucking nerdy looking guy. He was in. Do- he's the nerdy guy in Dodgeball. He's the computer nerd guy in Grandma's Boy. I'm a yeah. robot. <laughs> yeah, that dude. yeah, he's like the main. Yeah. one of the main guys. And so basically they go for this, in it. yeah, they go to this uh, little haunted swamp tour and something goes through, and, but it's really campy and, and kind it's like of, a, it's, it's built as old school American horror. Yeah. So and it's, it's like, just picture so like, awesome. picture like the old school thrashers and, uh, and that's what you get out of it. It's like a new version of like the old school thrasher. I love it. Cat, 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 ketter, ketter. No, hold on. What? Hold on. His name. Hotter, hotter. Kane Hodder. Kane Hodder. Ah, yeah. boo. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was going to get, I was in the, the entire time we're talking. I'm like, I got this. I got this. He was, yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, so Kane Hodder, who played um, um, Jason Voorhees in the Friday the 13th movies, yeah. three of them, he actually is the uh, murderer in this one, and it's fantastic. Um, number eight, The Blob. This action. I, I forgot that that took place in Louisiana. I actually didn't know that. Oh, well, this action packed horror classic doesn't take place in Louisiana. <laughs> It says doesn't take. Wait, what? Oh, I guess that means. I guess that's why. I guess that's why I didn't remember that then. But it was filmed in the Sportsman's Paradise. Here's one of our favorite parts of the movie, where a man and a woman are trying to unclog a sink. When the woman steps out of the room for a moment, something strange comes out of the sink and attacks the man while he is using a plunger, spattering blood, guts, and other sickening matter all over the room. We think he should have used. Wait, hold on. I'm going to read this verbatim. Okay. We think he should have used liquid plumber or Drano to remove the clog, but hey, we live and learn. Well, die in his case. <laughs> That's great writing. It's great writing. Uh, okay, real quick. We he think also, he should have used. Yeah. We think he should have used. <laughs> he should have used this. Uh, Kane Hodder, was, uh, he was in seven, Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, and uh, Jason goes to hell the final Friday, and he was also Jason and Jason X, which I didn't know. Oh, that's hilarious! I didn't which know that either. Fucking awful, but it, dude. It's it's. I awful. thought it was I thought it was six, seven, and eight, but it's seven, eight, nine, and ten. It's awful, but the scene where like uh, he the girls in the sleeping bag, and he's just taking it the her in the bag and slamming it against the tree. That's not ten. That's uh, ten. Jason X is the one where he's in space. Yeah, because remember it was a uh, it was a computer simulation. 
Because remember, they, it was Jason X. It was a computer simulation, and he thought he was actually like killing these people, but it was a yeah, whatever thing. Well, whatever. Yeah, it, I, dude, like it's he, I like when he smashes that, freezes that dude's face, and then smashes his. Yeah, head. <laughs> they're, they're stupid. Whatever. Um, number seven, the alligator people. If this horror Ooh. flick made in 1959 doesn't scare you to death, you're sure to laugh yourself to death. Okay. A newlywed couple traveling down to Louisiana on a train gets sidetracked when the husband receives a frantic telegram. When he gets off at a station to make a phone call, his new bride's honeymoon turns into a nightmare of horror. A mad scientist in the swamp turns her husband into an alligator man who stands on two legs oh. and much more deadly than the four-legged kind. Fucking Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I don't know which is worse, the movie or the writing. people. <laughs> That's what you get when you got a fucking uh, radio station guy. Uh, dude, here's a good one. Number six, Candyman, yep. Farewell to Farewell the Flesh. Farewell to the Flesh, yeah. Um, so this is uh, the second one? Or is this the first one? No, it's the uh, third one, I think. Huh. Farewell to the Flesh is the third one, I believe. Well, it says, after committing several murders, the Candyman travels down to New Orleans and continues with his horrific killing spree. Now in the Big Easy, the Candyman's next victim is a school teacher who just so happens to be... Now it's the second one. It is the second one? Just so happens to be the daughter of one of his previous victims. This one reminds us of a... Wait. This one reminds us of a... Oh. (laughs) This one reminds us of a school teacher we once had that always took our candy. We wanted to kill her, too. That's what it says. What? That's great. What the fuck, fuck is writing wrong is with this asshole? Ninety-eight point nine. Where we talk about killing teachers. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's Highway ninety-eight point nine. Yeah. <laughs> say it right. Highway ninety-eight. Oh, sorry. 9. Highway ninety-eight point nine. The go. highway. <laughs> Life is a highway at ninety-eight point hey. nine. Number five is Blood Feast. Ooh. It says, I remember seeing this when I uh, when it was new in nineteen sixty-three at a drive-in theater. So this guy's old as fuck. <laughs> My sister-in-law or he was had like two when he saw it, <laughs> huh? Or he was like two when he saw yeah, it. Maybe. My sister-in-law had seen it the week before and said that people were actually throwing up in the theater because of all the blood and gore in this movie. I didn't throw up when I saw it, but I'm glad I had a change of underwear with me. <laughs> that guy just admit that he shit himself. <laughs> yeah, that's what it sounds like. It's about an Egyptian caterer who goes around killing women and uses their body parts for a fest to bring an Egyptian goddess back to life. Ooh. At that time, I didn't know it was filmed in Louisiana. Oh. oh, well, there you go. Blood feast. Number four, the beyond. A young woman inherits an old hotel in Louisiana. While in the hotel, many supernatural things happen. She later discovers that the haunted building was built over one of the entrances to hell. <laughs> wow. Wait, and it literally, it says in, in parentheses, of course it was. <laughs> Other Louisiana entrances to hell are located in Shreveport on Sprague Street, Death Valley, and Baton Rouge in Morgan City. So there's all kinds of portals to hell in Louisiana, I Shreveport's guess. a fucking pile of hell. It, Shreveport itself is hell, dude. I don't think I've ever been Baton there. Baton Rouge isn't much better. That's yeah. Baton Rouge is where LSU is. Baton Rouge. It's like an hour and a half from New Orleans. Yeah. Like Number three, probably the greatest title of all these, Raging Cajun Redneck Gators. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Number three. Raging Cajun Redneck Gators. Oh, boy. And it says, Sharks have gotten a lot of attention on the Sci-Fi Channel lately, but Raging Cajun Redneck Gators is taking over for Halloween. In this one, you'll find moonshiners, feuding families, romance, and alligators eating people alive. So, pretty much like normal day in Louisiana. <laughs> wow. God damn so tongue-in-cheek. Um, here you go. This one's for you, uh, you young people out there that have probably seen this one. Number two is Venom. We love Venom, Tom Hardy. Venom. Yeah. 
In this horrific thriller, a group of teenagers have to run for their lives. Yeah, to, oh, wait, think, not, not the same say, one. I was going to say, I don't, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's the venom you're talking about, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just like that, Don totally fucked himself. <laughs> so this is not the venom I was thinking of. I apologize for that. It says, in this horrific thriller, a group of teenagers have to run for their lives to the swamps of Louisiana. Mr. Jangles, a man possessed by 13 evil souls, chases after them in his relentless pursuit of new victims. I think I've seen this. It, okay. sounds, it sounds really familiar. Yeah, I, I think know. I've seen that one. Sounds like every other goddamn horror movie. There yeah. Is. Yeah. All right. Now, the last one, number one, and this is actually a pretty decent movie. I like this movie. It's The Skeleton Key. Yeah, it was all right. It was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. It was all right. It says, a 25-year-old hospice worker, Kate Hudson, is sent to New Orleans to care for an aging stroke victim who is bedridden and cannot speak. Oh. The caretaker finds a mysterious key that unlocks a hidden room with ancient secrets, voodoo, danger, and lies. That skeleton key was a mm. dead giveaway. She wouldn't find <laughs> Wi-Fi and cable TV in there when she unlocked the door. <laughs> wow, that's so... Fucking shut up. <laughs> Also, uh, we're the only ones allowed to make corny jokes around here, people. All right? Also, uh, what happened to Prick this week? Oh, well, those aren't actual. Where's Prick Longbottom? At? Those weren't. Uh, th- those are just. Since they weren't actual reviews. They weren't reviews, oh. yes. But uh, by the way, I have actually had some uh, positive feedback about Prick. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, apparently um, okay. he seems to be. Uh, he'll be coming back. All right, we'll have to get him back. We didn't find a lot of reviews on these. Yeah, there were no reviews this okay. time. So we'll have to make sure we get him in the next episode. Mr. Longbottom will be. Uh, I'll give him a call. Yeah. Yeah, get a hold of him. Right. See if he's all right. I mean, he's, he's kind of douchey, so. Yeah, I'm sure he'll just tell me to go fuck myself again. So. <laughs> I can't believe he did that. Yeah, it was pretty rough. What an asshole. <laughs> kind of ruined my weekend, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> all right, passengers. Well, listen, <laughs> we really hope you enjoyed your ride with us on the Axeman of New Orleans. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, learned That's a bunch a cool of stuff. Story. I think it's an amazing story, and it, and it actually happened. Well, with a grain of salt. You have to kind of take everything well, that was... It definitely happened. It happened, uh, but the... There's a lot of weird shit going on around it, though. Right, a right. lot of uh, yeah, a lot of ins and outs. Right. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's uh, yeah. it's a it's a good it's a good fucking story. You know what I mean? I just think it's an awesome story, mainly because I mean, first of all, it did unsolved. happen. It's unsolved, and you know how much I love that shit. Um, next week, yeah, uh, we hope you guys stick around for us uh, because uh, or with us because we're gonna be talking about the butterfly people of Joplin, Missouri. Yeah. This is actually, so this is going to be a little bit different from what we normally do. It's it's similar in the vein that it's kind of like a, a cryptid type, uh, supernatural possibly like type experience, but it's actually like a very feel good story. It's like a happy fucking tale. So it's just a bunch of people I mean, with butterfly there's, wings. There's a pretty, you know, obviously the, uh, the reason, the, basically the starting point is not a good thing. Uh, it was a fucking gigantic tornado that leveled a town oh okay but but the stories that came out of it about these butterfly people it's like a really like it's a feel-good story almost awesome so yeah make sure you guys are sticking around for next week we're going to be talking about the butterfly people of which which you guys voted for yeah well you guys voted for it and it was actually brought to my attention by uh you know mr riley my son yeah riley brought it to my attention so i was like and we had never heard of it nope and i love that shit apparently they have a big giant fucking wall mural painted about it down there too Really? Yeah. Hmm. 
Well, there you go. So make sure you guys are sticking around and make sure you stop over to our official website, TheMidnightTrainPodcast.com. At our website, you can buy some super sweet, super sweet merchandise. Super sweet. <laughs> At the news store. There's stuff coming up there all the damn time. Um, There's my goddamn Fecal Fighter shirt. Fecal Fighter shirts are coming. I just want to make sure they're perfect. <laughs> they are coming. I, I promise. I'm working on them. And every time I do one, I'm like, oh, man, now that one sucks. You know, so I'm kind of like, yeah, I I, I'm, I'm, yeah right. I'll be, you know what I'll do? Maybe here in the next week or so, so I'll throw up a, a couple of uh, mock-ups for people okay. to see. See which ones they like. See which ones they like. Right. You know, maybe get some insight yeah, from I our like listeners. I like yeah. And listeners keep asking how they can keep the steam in our engines. Well, you motherfuckers know it. If you like what you hear from us, please consider being a producer of the show by heading over to the midnighttrainpodcast.com and clicking on the Patreon button at the very top. Or you can just go over to patreon.com forward slash the midnight train podcast. Don't do a search there. We cuss way too fucking much and I don't like that shit. Yeah, you have to type it in. Yeah. So for as little as $5 a month, you can get all kinds of cool shit like a custom shirt, custom poster, custom sticker, bonus episodes like the Day the Music Died series, and way, way more. So if you're a diehard Midnight Train fan and uh, you want to help produce this motherfucker, our Patreon is for you. Plus, uh, we really could use it because, you know, I'm giving all my money to AMC and... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I really can't do it. I did buy a little bit, but yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, just to help. I might. I might. Just to, just to say that I had a little hand in right. it. Right. So for those of you that would rather leave us a one-time donation, you can head on over to PayPal. All right? You've got you've got fucking commitment issues. You're like, you know, I don't know if I could do every month. But, yeah. you know, I these mean, guys. Especially right now. That's kind of, yeah. you know, people are still kind of hurting. Right. And you're like, you know what? These guys are good. I'm going to throw them. I know. just gave all my money to AMC. Right. Exactly. Stop. You're like, here's a dollar. Here's a dollar. Just because I like what you do. Here's a dollar. Yeah, that'd be nice. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm just saying. Fucking a quarter. Right. A quarter. A quarter's fine. So anyway, my, you can do that. I could get a gumball. <laughs> can you still get gumballs for a quarter? No, no, I don't think so. Oh. Like 50 cents now. Damn, I remember when they were like a nickel. Yeah, you put a dime in there and get some shit. Yeah, absolutely. Get a new car. <laughs> That's how old I am. <laughs> they have cars when you were a kid? No. Well, they did, but you had to run them with your feet. Yeah, and there were dinosaurs around. Yeah, dinosaurs, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> anyway, you can do that over at PayPal, and you can use the email address at midnighttrainpodcast at gmail.com. Also, you can easily like, subscribe, and rate us on your favorite podcast platforms. And most importantly, please share the Midnight Train to everyone. It takes only a couple of minutes, and word of mouth and it's is free. Yes, it is free to tell people, like, hey, check these guys out. Word of mouth is how we're going to keep the steam in our engines and keep oh, getting yeah? more and more passengers and and you know so speaking keep, of steam in our engines and passengers mm-hmm. did you see i think it was chad flint that uh suggested the train an actual train ride where we do a podcast like amazing dude that's a great idea i think that would be amazing like a two-hour train ride where we where we we do we the podcast. go through an episode we on the, the train episode. ride while we're that would be fucking phenomenal i think they'd be amazing logistically i don't know how that would be it'd probably yeah. be like i mean you'd have to like $400 per person to get a fucking Not train. Necessary. Well, I mean, like, you'd have to, we'd, we'd have to get hooked up with, like, like you know, the, the Cuyahoga Valley Railroad. They do all their train oh, things. Oh, yeah. I wonder if you could rent those out. Something like that. And then we'd have we to set have it to up look to where that. we could just do, like, a little, like, like a two-car thing where we set up in one and have people in, like, a couple of cars with the audio in both of them, and they can just hang have out. Have booze for everybody? Fuck yeah, dude. Lots of booze? Shit, yeah. Everybody just listen to our stupid asses talk about stupid shit? Yeah, buddy. I think that'd be great. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that was Chad that actually That'd be amazing. That. It's so, a great idea. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic idea. An actual train? Do it at midnight? Yeah. That'd be fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so we can't thank you all enough for all the love and support we've received. You passengers really do keep this train fucking moving. Thank you all so much for listening. All right. So are you guys ready for the big fucking shout out here? All right. We got a drum roll. 
Thank you to Pat, Janet, Barbara, Patricia, Lacey, Mikey, Ben, John, Nate, Tess, Heidi, Kaylin, Kevin, Samantha, Matt, Diana, Christopher, Jacqueline, Katie, Michaela, Ramsey, Tamar, Tommy, Speakerbox, The Sisters, Skeleton. <laughs> I have to make sure to do that. Make sure you're checking out the Sisters, Skeleton <laughs> podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Riley, Logan, Reagan, Charlie, Alyssa, Sydney, Ava, Diane, uh, Alina, Stephanie, Julie, Laura, Cynthia, Kirsten, Dawn, Nicola, Caitlin, Chanel, Alex, Emily Ann, son of Vasco, Alicia, Frandapai, Danny, Rex, Sadie, Remy, Melissa, Grace, Stormy, Eva, Melissa, Wayne, Victoria, Hager, Sean, uh, uh, no, I can't say that name anymore. Sorry, sorry. I was going to say a different name. Oh, he's actually, uh, I'll, I'll tell you in a second. Hold on. All right. Bill Sun, Colin, Todd, David Valo, Juan, Belen, Ken and Brad at Voodoo Vodka, Stripper Kevin, Davey, our Mexican Vato, and a very special fucking huge superhero fucking thank you to you amazing people that just, we, God, you so. Oh, good. <laughs> you. you dick. There's, you're so awesome. <laughs> but to our Patreon producers, Chad Flint. We love you. Cheryl Pierce. Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb from the Fun Box Podcast. Please make sure you check out the Fun Box Podcast. Christina Skelton, Maria Gibbs, Jessica Bartolome, Oliver Gimmel, Jigsaw, Craig Spurlock, Rick Resler, Courtney Batchelor, Chainsaw. No! Who is officially uh, a fucking producer. Uh, I didn't know you could use food stamps to pay for Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding buddy i love you oh my god craig spurlock uh i already said that one i'm sorry katie brabenick mm. and bill I'm birch trouble hearing you <laughs> what the fuck was that my phone just went off and said i'm having trouble hearing you it's the spooks was that like siri or something i guess i don't know it was weird did you guys yeah, hear that i'm having trouble hearing you <laughs> well thank you to all of our producers you guys really have no idea how awesome it is and and just knowing that you guys support us the way you do, like it's uh, it really does keep us moving, and it helps us like get things that we are going to need. We do have, Absolutely, man. Um, we are going to be doing like some live streaming shit that I really want to yeah. implement, and I'm working yeah. on all that. I don't know if you notice, I got the stuff kind of set up differently I see in here. It. I see, it. Um, I see it. We're working on all that, and just the more shows and just more content and yeah. everything else. So yeah. we're looking forward to that. So if you guys want your name mentioned at the end also of the show, also John's drug habit and my my my, I, I got to get that pepitone. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't buy John's, itself. Look, John's got a bad stomach. <laughs> I do, actually. He needs the Pepitone. I do. I do. <laughs> on a daily basis. Oh, God. <laughs> so anyway, if you want your name mentioned at the show, on the on the show, at the end of the show, it's, oh, my God. It's been a long fucking week, folks. Sign up as a member on our website for free or become a Patreon producer. And listen, thank you guys so much. Stay safe out there, passengers. And as always, choo-choo, motherfuckers! Now go home and get your fucking shine box. <laughs>